This is Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model, reminding you kids to be like me. Eat steak, lift weights, and drink whiskey. And listen to the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin Show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin Show. Welcome, everyone, to the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin Show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. We welcome you today, folks, to our episode 75th episode, Darren. Episode 75th. That's right. Episode 75th. That, uh, what anniversary is 75? Is it, uh, is it a diamond? I, <laughs> I feel like that's way, way before 75th, right? Platinum? Is it tungsten? Uh, I think it's some sort of alloy. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think it's uh, vibranium. Vibranium. Oh, it's vibranium. <laughs> it is a vibranium uh, anniversary. Uh, and on this vibranium anniversary, we got uh, Wrestle News and hashtag Wrestle Views. Uh, some good news for Jeff Jarrett for once. Uh, typically, it's bad news for Jeff Jarrett. He's got some good news coming his way. Uh, however, some bad news for a uh, a Japanese wrestler from back in the day. Uh, he might be uh, hanging up his boots, as they say. Also, of course, this weekend, WWE is uh, going into the Elimination Chamber. Elimination Chamber. So Darren and I have to go head-to-head. Head-to-head. With our views of who's going to win and who's going to not win. We call them losers, Darren. You know what I was thinking when you were talking about bad news? I was wondering what uh, wonder what Bad News Brown was. <laughs> if he was uh, going to have any any bad news or any good news. I think he's, he's Did deceased. Did Brown ever have any good news? I, I don't think that, that that was kind of his thing to never have good news. Uh, bad news Barrett though. He's still alive. Yeah. Well, I guess those are sort of self-fulfilling prophecies, right? I, I guess so. I, I guess so. Uh, and speaking of self-fulfilling prophecy, not really, but I'm trying to segue here. Uh, Darren is going to tell us all about night two of fest wrestling's love is a battlefield Two electric boogaloo. And uh, night two, pretty big deal because the Fest Wrestling Championship is up for grabs. And it's a big deal. Not to mention, of course, the Love Cup. The battle for the Love Cup. We find out who wins that as well. And we have someone special on today's episode. Darren, is that correct? That is correct. Uh, I am super excited that Effie will be joining us at the conclusion of today's episode 75th. That's right. We'll talk about his match he had with Sue Young at Fest Wrestling, and we'll find out what the outcome of the match is. I mean, Darren knows, and I know, but you listeners are going to find out after we talk about it. Unless, of course, you were there, and uh, many of you were there. Right, yeah. I'm trying to present this to people who maybe don't live near the Gainesville, uh, the, the greater Gainesville area. Yeah, we're this is this is for those listeners who live in in, uh, in Oklahoma and Kalamazoo, uh, Kalamazoo and Mozambique, Mozambique. And, uh, I was just listening Malaya. to that song, Mozambique, by uh, Bob Dylan. 
Uh, I know. I can see, I can actually see their record. Oh, hey. The yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That, that's that's been that earlier. that's been spinning on the turntable. The album Desire by Bob Dylan. Uh, highly recommend that one. Uh, before we get into all that, though, <laughs> talk more about Bob Dylan. I guess we start from the beginning. Typically, that's where we talk about our headlines. 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 Jeff Jarrett is going to the Hoff. <laughs> Let's, go to the Hoff. Let's go to the Hoff. Double J, Jeff Jarrett, is going into the WWE Hall of Fame, the class of 2018. J-E, double F, J-A, double R-E. Double T. And I am... Color me surprised. Color me surprised. I... This is... Uh, wow. I did not think that this would happen this soon. As we know, with Bruno San Martino being in, the Ultimate Warrior being in, uh, the Macho Man, Randy Savage, being in the Hall of Fame, uh, bygones will eventually be bygones, or Triple H will force-feed people to Vince McMahon, or however the arrangement occurs... I knew Jeff Jarrett would end up there eventually. Um, it's hard to deny the family legacy that Jeff Jarrett uh, carries with him. Also, as a as a singles competitor, he really did make an impact uh, specifically during the Monday Night Wars. Um, he literally made an impact. Impact wrestling. He did. He did. Um, I'm very surprised that it happened this soon. I didn't think uh, Vince McMahon would allow it this soon. But uh, quite a while back, we announced that uh, the WWE was financing um, Jeff Jarrett's rehab and a uh, rehab for alcohol. And uh, I think we speculated at the time that if they were willing to do that, they should certainly be willing to make money off of him, which, as we know... Yes, it's a great honor that you're bestowing on people by putting them into the Hall of Fame, but it's also an opportunity for WWE to continue to profit off of an individual by, one, having them on your programming, which is going to attract viewers, and two, uh, maybe sign a Legends contract, maybe sign some sort, of, some sort of licensing deal. Now you're making new Jeff Jarrett toys, making new Jeff Jarrett merch. And, uh, you know, I think they probably always could have done that. But now they'll do it, and it'll make sense. Yeah, we talk a lot about Jeff Jarrett on the show. Uh, typically, when you talk about him, it's pretty positive. Uh, for me, it's, it's uh, I won't say a little negative, but it's it's just, I, he was never my guy. And no matter what, uh, you know, capacity, if he was on WCW, I wasn't a fan. WWF, I wasn't a fan. Impact Wrestling, whatever. Um, so I never really saw a lot of merit in Jeff Jarrett. Um, however, I, I will always remember how to spell his name because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> old Colonel Parker, uh, he helped out a lot, but anyway, That's um, right. Tennessee Lee, Tennessee Lee, Colonel know, Parker, you know, he also spelled his, uh, his name out just in case T E double N E double S double E L double E, right? Tennessee Lee, you know, uh, here's an interesting factoid about Jeff Jarrett, the only man. To have ever been a member of the Four Horsemen, the New World Order, and the Bullet Club. Wow. 
That's pretty cool. That that, that means you've been a, you've been around for a while. That means yeah, you have definitely absolutely. been around for a long time. Yeah. Uh, no, he's he's had longevity. He has been a, around a long time. He has company jumped. I mean, he was around when you know WWF wasn't doing so great. He was there during like the the good times of WCW and the good times of WWF when he came back to uh, World Wrestling Federation and obviously the whole Impact TNA thing. And he he definitely he is someone who has a love and passion for the business. And I'll I'll never disagree with that fact. Obviously, I don't think his goal was ever to to defeat WWF uh, slash WWE in the same way WCW was like. There could be only one that Highlander mentality they had uh, for whatever reason. I don't know why they didn't think. Hey, two companies can coexist. It's fine. Uh, No, no. In like you know five years, one of us has to die. And uh, WWE can always say they defeated WCW, but really WCW defeated WCW. Um, but well, AOL, Time Warner. Yeah, I, w- I will always say that that argument uh, that argument has been argued thousands of times by thousands of wrestling fans. But I will always say AOL, Time Warner merger. The only reason, the only reason WCW went the way of the dodo. Right. No, I mean, they the, the Turner execs hated uh, Nitro, even when it was like the number one rated, you know, television show on television. So, you know, when it's not, then what am I paying you for? As I once heard a great man say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, Jeff Jarrett going in, uh, not surprising that it happened. It is surprising that it happened around now, but there are always is that like redemption story isn't there during the hall of fame time yeah and i, I think jeff jarrett is, is that this time around yeah i think he will be because if you look at the rest of the people announced so far goldberg the dudleys ivory um i mean goldberg and i think goldberg last year there might have been a touch of that redemption story but after coming back the redemption was so thorough and resulted in a in a universal title run and like squashing like Kevin Owens and fighting at WrestleMania, yeah, all that you've been fully redeemed, son. So uh, now you got to come back and just reflect on the career as a, as a whole. I'm speaking about Goldberg, Jeff Jarrett, though. This is the opportunity to come out on that night and really put. Uh, that redemption story in the forefront as far as he's concerned. They'd have to really go fishing, I think, to to find a better version of that story for this particular Hall of Fame induction class. Although I will say our next headline uh, involves an individual that I, I think fully deserves a WWE Hall of Fame induction. Who knows if it will ever come. Uh, I don't know that he ever wrestled in a WWE or WWF ring but that has not stopped Vince McMahon from including people in the WWE Hall of Fame in the past. I'm speaking about the Great Muta. Kaiji Muto, also known as the Great Muta, better known as the Great Muta, really. Uh, it was announced this week that he will be having a double knee replacement surgery. Now, I saw the Great Muta in person at WrestleCon before WrestleMania 32 in Dallas, and when I saw him sitting behind the table, 
uh, signing autographs, I thought, man, he looks like a million bucks because he really did. Uh, from the from the waist up, sitting behind that table, he looked like one of the damn Steiner brothers. He was so you know bulky and in shape. He looked really healthy and happy. And then I saw him get up to 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 walk, or I guess take a break, something like that. Could barely walk, and it broke my heart. I was like, oh my goodness! It was a whole new level of crippling at the hands of a pro wrestling career, and not like a specific injury but just the wear and tear of a, of a long career. But the, it was really, really extreme. It looked like, almost looked from the waist down like someone who had been born with, with some sort of uh, palsy or some sort of uh, condition. I was really shocked, like really shocked when I saw that about the great Muda. But um, obviously he, more than anyone, is well aware of his condition. And I'm assuming the double knee replacement will go very far into healing uh, this problem. The only problem is, of course, that the replacement surgery itself could essentially end his career. It may ex- it may extend, uh, you know, his his quality of life, being able to walk much better for the next who knows twenty thirty years 40 years of his life he's only 55 years old um but will it allow him to wrestle again who knows well i mean if his knees are in as bad a shape as you say from when you last saw him he kind of has nothing to lose i mean i doubt he could wrestle a whole lot you know the way he is now so get the knee replacements i mean a lot of wrestlers do it it just it, it catches up to a lot of the wrestlers um and uh yeah i mean obviously it's going to make his quality of life go up and that's a good thing there are other uh capacities he could he could be relevant in in the wrestling world you know become an announcer uh interviews and all that stuff and and thank god for that he can start a podcast you know um we'll tell him how we'll we'll tell him what not to do um, <laughs> maybe he could join our show. It'll be a th- we can now be a three man booth. Yeah, that or you know, well, we can't afford those expensive flights over to Japan to watch uh, new New Japan wrestling. He'll 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 tell us what's going on. Uh, he was there. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, all the best to the great Muda. We appreciate all the stuff in the past, and uh, hopefully your your future's going to shine bright. It's my uh, <laughs> Southern woman. <laughs> Positive Southern woman, <laughs> pretty good. Huh? Southern woman. <laughs> that's and that's my Neil Young. It was good. It was actually very good. Uh, so I suppose this weekend there's going to be a chamber erected, and inside this chamber, people are to be eliminated. They will be eliminated, but it will not be by Saturn and Cronus. Oh, um, nice. They will, in fact find themselves uh, defeated by pinfall. It's really, it's it's kind of a normal uh, ending to the match. It's just the structure that, as you said, is erected around them. The mighty elimination chamber, uh, the, K- the kayfabe creation of Eric Bischoff from back when he was the Raw general manager. But they changed it. They changed it so it's weirder and more square. I like the old big round. Squatty round one. Um, that's the one that I like. It's a little different, but uh, you know, I, I think it's still a cool match. It, it lends itself to to the old Thunderdome or uh, Thunderdoom 
cage match, whatever you want to call it, from uh, the NWA days. I still say bring back the White Castle of Fear match. Uh, <laughs> if, if you really want to put butts in the seats, well, that, that, that's just me. Uh, so this weekend is Elimination Chamber. Uh, Darren and I, we've been watching WWE product. And we have our thoughts and our opinions, and boy, howdy, are we going to spew them out at each other. And for your uh, listening pleasure there, hashtag dear listeners. So Darren and I, we're going to go head to head. Head to head. This Sunday, the 25th of February, 2018, the Raw brand of WWE presents Elimination Chamber. On the WWE Network. They will be coming to you live from Paradise, Nevada. Now, I don't know where Paradise, Nevada is. Uh, According to Wikipedia, it's in the Las Vegas Valley. So, does that just mean it's in Las Vegas? No, no. In fact, it's in Paradise. So, I would like two tickets to Paradise. (laughs) Well, if you pack your bags, you can leave tonight. If I leave tonight, I'll be way too early for Elimination <laughs> Chamber. I can't go sleep in a tent outside the arena like a dum-dum. You can get a hotel, but okay. I like your tent idea. Well, I've got this new tent, and I don't have anything to do with it. So, But if I'm going to get two <laughs> tickets to Paradise, I need at least two tickets to Elimination Chamber. Do, wait, 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 wait. Do we know if Paradise has an airport, though? Can you fly straight into Paradise? Don't you have to fly to a major hub first that'll fly to Paradise? Well, Las Vegas is a major hub, and Las Vegas is ostensibly the same thing as Paradise. I don't know. Even Wikipedia doesn't know. (laughs) Well, Paradise sounds more uh, alluring than even Las Vegas does. It's like, ooh, Paradise. Right. Who doesn't want to go to Paradise? Certainly not, not any money. Right, of course. Oh, so on Sunday in Paradise, the Elimination Chamber will emanate on the WWE Network, and it's a small card. It's a little baby card, which I guess means that A, it's still only a three-hour pay-per-view, and B, these Elimination Chamber matches, of which there are two, are going to be quite long. Although there's no way they're going to be as long as that ridiculous gauntlet match from Monday night. (laughs) I don't ever want to see that again, ever. Wow. Because, and let me tell you why, that was the first Raw that I sat down and watched uninterrupted live in its entirety with the commercials in a very long time. I mean, I've turned into a Hulu viewer, and... Uh, at the very least, uh, uh, at the very most, I guess, I'll watch the uh, full Hulu episode. So to have put in the time, to have decided in advance, because I had the luxury of, uh, of President's Day uh, on my side, where I was like, I don't have to go to bed ever. I decided to watch Monday Night Raw. And I spent two hours watching a single match. A single gauntlet match that never involved more than two people at any given time. And it's the same people that I'm used to seeing every Monday night. And I can't believe how incredibly boring it was. I I, I think the match was basically designed to make Seth Rollins... To kind of remind you Seth Rollins is like a contender for the championship. 
because you you kind of you kind of dismiss him as just a tag guy these days, just because that's kind of the, the way they painted him these days. But I th- think it was just a way because because Rollins kind of got thrown into this all of a sudden. It's kind of like, well, who, why is this guy here? But it was kind of like, a, no, 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 he's great. See, look, and then you, they they let him wrestle for like what over an hour on Raw. Is that correct? Yeah, I like yeah a little over an hour, and I guess it's the longest time. The longest amount of time any single individual has wrestled on the air in the history of Monday Night Raw. And I don't know that that's a record that even needs to exist or be acknowledged, but they have. And uh, there you have it. So there's a feather in Seth Rollins's cap. Uh, I'm sure he'd much rather that feather be an Elimination Chamber victory, right. maybe a WrestleMania victory over Brock Lesnar for the Universal title. But uh, much like Vince McMahon's music will tell you, there is no chance in hell we're going to see that. So, yes, it's a nice reminder that Seth Rollins is uh, capable and he is talented and he should be uh, respected, even revered. Uh, nevertheless, uh, that's that's as far as that goes. He, he will not see... Any, any greater victory anytime soon. Well, fair enough. We'll get more into that when we actually get to the Elimination Chamber aspect of the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. Uh, but it's not going to start that way. Uh, probably going to start with uh, maybe some tag team action, right? Sheamus and Cesaro putting their belts up on the line against Titus and Apollo. No longer Apollo Crews now. He's only Apollo. He's the, the sun god. Is that correct? That is correct. Um... And I, this this may end up being a pre-show match, or maybe there's a pre-show match we don't even know about yet. But I'm sure there will be at least one pre-show match filling up that second half of that uh, hour-long pre-show. Uh, but let's just assume that this is going to be on the show. Your Raw Tag Team Champions, uh, Sheamus and Cesaro, uh, they've been bested by uh, Titus O'Neil and Apollo lately. And, uh, well, I guess, and also by Dana Brooke, um, since, you know, Dana Brooke no longer wrestles, she's not a part of the women's evolution. She is just, uh, she's just Alexandra York version 2.0 and, and that's fine. I think it works for her, but, uh, I'm sure she doesn't love it. In fact, I know she doesn't love it. She tweeted about just how unhappy she was. Uh, and we all know that that always goes very far. That really works out for people in the end. So watch it, Dana Brooke. <laughs> watch your back. Be careful. And uh, just go out there and help your boys. Go out there and help your boys. They're going to need it. They're going to need it against Sheamus and Cesaro. And uh, even with all of Dana Brooke's uh, help, I'm going with the bar. Because, you know, they not only <laughs> raise the bar, they are the bar. Right, right, uh, I'm told. Uh, Sheamus and Cesaro, uh, they just got the belts from uh, Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan at uh, Royal Rumble. Um, and uh, though I do like Titus and Apollo tagging together, I think that's actually a pretty cool tag team. Because I like Titus and Apollo. Um, a lot of people don't, um, but uh, I do. I-, I like Titus. I think he's a really good mouthpiece. I like him a lot as a manager. Uh, Apollo, I've always thought, was a very talented wrestler and a really gifted athlete. He just He's just one of those guys that just got pushed to the main show way too fast. 
That um, is the number one problem with Apollo. That's yeah. the only problem. He had no business leaving NXT when he did. He needed another. It. He needed another year in NXT to kind of hone his craft a bit. But I, I, I like uh, what I'm seeing from him these days. I think he's actually he's at the point now where he needs to be on Raw. Um, so it, it's cool that they're even in this uh, tag team spotlight. Um, it does kind of seem like well, there's no one else. Um, so that might be why they're in the spotlight. Um, but I, I do think it's too soon to get the belts off of Sheamus and Cesaro, though I could I could see Titus and Apollo as champions at some point. Uh, not yet. Too soon. I'm going to go with Sheamus and Cesaro. The bar. Because they don't just are the bar. They set the bar that they are. That's true. And they probably also visit the bar at the uh, at the hotel. They do. They do. And they have, they have drinks from the bar. <laughs> right? Correct. And if they were lawyers, they would have to pass the bar. <laughs> Why aren't they a tag team of lawyers called The Bar? Oh, man. <laughs> so good. Uh, we got some singles action. We got uh, Broken slash Woken Matt Hardy as he takes on the Eater of Worlds, Bray Wyatt. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I've been ready to see this. I want to see this go down. And maybe in a show that's not cram-packed and they're trying to get uh, everybody, uh, you know, on the shoehorned into the show, maybe they'll actually get some time here. Um, I'm also crossing my fingers that this is where we see the expansion of the Woken universe. Do we see maybe, I don't know, I, I honestly don't know Jeff Hardy's uh, status right now if he has been able to come back from his injury, if he's ready to come back. Um, and if he's not ready to come back and wrestle, can he at least come out? Can you know, can he fiddle around the ring like Nero, like brother Nero? Word has it uh, that he is actually um, uh, healing very quickly and that he will be back uh, before WrestleMania. Um, not as, uh, I, I think they want to keep the Hardy Boys together for now. Uh, going into Mania, and then after Mania, they're probably going to break him up, and there's going to be the whole Brother Nero deal. Well, and see, there you go. You, you got to have Jeff come back. You got to have Brother Nero come back. And then there's your opponents for the bar. There's your WrestleMania opponents for the bar. Raw tag titles at WrestleMania, the bar versus uh, Woken Matt and Brother Nero. But I'd love to see it expand uh, the Woken Universe, that is, in one way or another on this night at the Elimination Chamber against Bray Wyatt. Or, for God's sake, do anything with Bray Wyatt. Do, do literally anything. You may recall, and he did remind us uh, in a uh, segment on Raw, uh, last Elimination Chamber, Bray Wyatt became the champion he won the Elimination Chamber match, and now he's fighting Matt Hardy uh, somewhere in the mid-card. So, uh, how the mighty have fallen, I must say. Um, either one of these guys can win the match. Um, if if this match is going to happen again at WrestleMania, then I would say that Bray Wyatt is probably going to win. Uh, but because I'm not sure what the deal is going to be for WrestleMania for either one of these guys at this point, I'm going to go with Matt Hardy getting the W on this one. I'm also going to go with Matt Hardy because they refuse to let Bray Wyatt do anything. <laughs> I really hate it. Like it, it, it was, it was frustrating there for a couple of years, and now it's it's crossed over into true 
true disappointment and utter bewilderment at why they would waste that talent. It really doesn't make any sense. If you're going to have the Bludgeon Brothers and you're going to have Harper and Rowan together anyway, why not just have the Wyatt family back together and have Bray Wyatt be an actual foe? My God, I'm wasting my breath. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, but at least he met JoJo, and they seem happy, I guess. I don't know. Uh, yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, also, some women's action going on here, not for any uh, women's championship. That will be decided in the Elimination Chamber uh, for the women. This one's just bragging rights, I suppose. Asuka, uh, the Empress of Tomorrow, puts her undefeated streak on the line against Nia Jax. The Irresistible Force, and I love that that nickname, Irresistible Force. Uh, it works. Uh, it works. It's working for her. I, I really, I really enjoy that. So this is Nia Jax going into battle with Asuka. They fought each other before in NXT. I like how they don't acknowledge uh, past NXT rivalries sometimes. Um, so Asuka's already beaten Nia Jax once, and she's just going to do it again, right? Come on. You, you, you wouldn't want to stop her <laughs> on her way to WrestleMania, right? Isn't that kind of a no-brainer? Well, the stipulation is that if Nia Jax wins this match, that she'll be added to Asuka's match at WrestleMania 34. Now, not only is that one of my most hated stipulations ever, which is, (laughs) if you're good enough to win this time, well, guess what? It doesn't count. But, good luck at being good enough to do it twice, you stupid ass. Yeah, exactly. I hate that. I really hate that. Um, But also... Are they really going to ruin Asuka's undefeated legacy at Elimination Chamber against Nia Jax before Mania only to enact that stupid-ass stipulation? No, they're not. They're not going to mess up Asuka here. Nia Jax is going to get her WrestleMania spotlight. Bless her heart. She's going to get it um, because they're (laughs) determined... To, to, to force Nia Jax on us. So we're going to get it, and she's going to get it whether or not she's lost never or a million times to Asuka. So she's going to lose to Asuka on this night. You're, you're agreeing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think they should have made it basically Nia Jax when she gets Asuka's spot at WrestleMania. Should have been a stipulation that makes more sense than what you said, which I also hate, which is win tonight and maybe you can win again tomorrow. Um, right, exactly. And not only because we all know that Asuka's not going to lose here, it would have actually made it a little more suspenseful and a little more, uh, the, the stakes would have been much greater with what you said. Because if we know that Nia's not going to win, then at least putting that step up that if Asuka loses, she's out like that. That becomes, all of a sudden, that's intriguing. That's powerful to your average viewer. Yeah, do like a fucking do it for Asuka spot at WrestleMania. Do like false count anywhere. Like, add that. So it's like, oh, God. Oh, Jesus. No. Um, <laughs> we'd much, we'd really much rather have Asuka than Nia Jax. <laughs> um, <laughs> WrestleMania. Um, so, yeah, it's it just seems like uh, it's just Asuka's going to win. So that's it. Yeah, uh, that's true. Now, who does Asuka pick? She hasn't made her pick yet. Because WWE hasn't picked yet. That's why. Um, that's true. It's, it's... Well, okay, well, first of all, the one thing that we need, this would be a good place to mention this, 
Ronda Rousey's contract signing is scheduled to be at Elimination Chamber. So that's also one of the selling points of this network special is you'll get to see Ronda Rousey maybe talk, not just smile. Um, will she point? Will she point at the WrestleMania sign? Uh, you can bet the house. And in, if Paradise, Nevada is anything like Las Vegas, you can. You you are allowed. You're legally allowed to bet the house. But the house always wins, though, Darren. Right. That's why you want to bet the house. <laughs> okay. Um, I, don't, I don't know anything about gambling. I've made literally <laughs> two bets in my entire life. And uh, I came out on the winning end of both of those. Because as another wise man once told me, another great man, um, I don't gamble, I win. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and as a result, uh, I don't gamble, so I can't make good uh, gambling allusions either. Um, but let me uh, let me double down. Huh? <laughs> there we go. Uh, uh, more... Uh, clueless, ignorant, uh, <laughs> ill-cognizant references and allusions to gambling. Let me double down and say you can bet the house <sighs> that Ronda Rousey will smile and point. Yes. Okay, Hopefully okay. she will also uh, make her intentions known because I want to know, what are we going to see? Are we going to see Asuka challenge the Raw Women's Champion, and then we get to see Rousey Charlotte. Is that the matchup WWE wants to see? Is that the matchup we want to see? Or does Asuka challenge Charlotte? It's tough, and and clearly they don't even know what they want to do. Something tells me they don't want Alexa Bliss as champion, though, going into WrestleMania because they, they think maybe Asuka or Ronda could have a better match with, with someone else, maybe someone like Sasha. So that, that's that's what I'm thinking. The Because I, I also hear that they, they want to save Asuka's uh, streak for a Ronda Rousey match, in which case she breaks Asuka's streak. Because now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just said, like, wow, like, uh, I mean, I know you're not as long-winded as I am, but that was the most succinct delivery of like four different bombshells we've ever had on the show. So for starters, congratulations. Uh, secondly, what you, you think, I mean, I know we haven't gotten to the women's elimination chamber match yet, but it sounds like you're saying Alexa's not walking out of that cage with the belt. I, I don't think so. Well, let's go ahead and go into elimination chamber match in that case. So let's, let's go ahead and shift our focus to that because this is all relevant to that. So basically the winner oh, of this God. match is the one going into WrestleMania to fight Asuka. Um, and the people involved, we have Bailey, Mickey James, Sasha Banks, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, and of course the Raw Women's Champion Alexa Bliss in the Elimination Chamber. Um, so yeah, so I, I, Asuka's going to go on to fight uh, any of these people. It, it's not uh, it's not Sonya Deville. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, she's not going on to fight any of these people because it's not the Absolution Girls. It's just simply not their time. No, 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 no. It's not going to be Bailey because somebody hates Bailey. Somebody in Stanford, Connecticut hates Bailey. But also remember, this match isn't just, okay, the winner goes on to do something. This match is the winner is the champion. So right. it basically, like it's going to... more of that. 
Yeah, it's going to be either Alexa Bliss or Sasha Banks. Well, let's go ahead and say that right now. Because because I, I, think, I think the setup is Sasha Banks, you know, loses to Asuka, realizes she can't beat Asuka on Raw. That's already happened. So she wins the match, but knows that she has to defend it against someone she can't beat at WrestleMania. I see that story. Uh, Alexa Bliss and Asuka, I don't see a great match out of that. I just don't. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm trying to see it in my head right now, and I can't guarantee you that I'm that I'm envisioning a good match, but I don't see it as a bad match. I I, I like that matchup. Do on you paper, see it? Actually. Do you see it as a WrestleMania match? I do. I, I I do see it as names on a marquee. I absolutely do. Just as much, if not more, than Asuka Sasha. Right. I mean. Listen, Sasha Asuka is going to put butts in seats. People want to see that. I'm sure it's going to be a good match if that's what it ends up being. But, yeah, in no way do I believe that Alexa is a lesser opponent uh, or that it's a less good matchup. Alexa clearly has somebody or something wrapped around her little finger, even if it's just, I don't mean that, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Even if it's just, you know, everyone, because she's that talented. But I don't see the value in devaluing her at this point. Well, which she's is what not, you will do. Well, she's not devalued if someone, if it takes other people's involvement for her to lose the match, you know, that she is in. It's not a singles match. I mean, we, we talked about this a thousand times where, you know, if you bring in another person, it's a wild card the champion can lose and still look good. It's fine. I And I have nothing against Alexa Bliss. You know I love her. I think she's a good wrestler. I think she's great with the microphone. She's very talented. It's just that I think the company looks at her sometimes and goes like, ah, but she's so tiny. We need someone that's a bit bigger. Um, and I, I, do, I do think Sasha's a better wrestler than Alexa. I will say that. Um, and I, I think for like their big WrestleMania marquee, I think it might look better if it's a match with Sasha and Asuka more so than a match with, with Alexa and Asuka. And again, I love them both. It's just the way it seems to me because especially when you had Asuka in the ring at Royal Rumble, she wins. She's about to pick who she wants to fight at WrestleMania. And you have Charlotte. Charlotte, who's like this, you know, this great wrestler, you know. Next to her is Alexa, who isn't Charlotte. <laughs> so it's like... Well, Asuka, if we all... Because the thing is, we all want to see Asuka versus Charlotte, right? We Ultimately, we want to see that. Uh, absolutely, we want to see that. Right. So, in the meantime, does she beat Alexa and then eventually fights Charlotte? I don't understand. I, I, I don't like that Asuka and Charlotte are not on a collision course for WrestleMania. And now Ronda Rousey's thrown in, and we don't know what the hell that's going to be. So I'm I'm very confused, but I just don't think Alexa Bliss is going to be champion going into Mania. Okay, so then what does that mean? What are the matchups here? Because I need to know what Rousey is doing before I can really make good. And I know we can't know that. That's the thing. Yeah, that's really tough. Um, Wrestling logic... uh, doesn't always make a lot of sense. There, there's really no logic here because we don't know what Ronda Rousey's plans are. Um, but also, I hate that Asuka had to win the Rumble for this opportunity to win the title, even though Mandy Rose, who was the first person gone from the Rumble, 
is in this belt championship belt situation immediately. Um, so that, that wrestling doesn't always make sense is what I'm trying to get that there. Um, but uh, it's just it, it's I, I don't know I don't know Darren. What do you All think? right. Well then let me let me just let me just propose these these ideas. Let's just say that it's not Rousey Charlotte. I think everybody thinks it's going to be Rousey Charlotte. Well, all the four horsewomen stuff too, right? Right, but I mean, four horse. If you're going to talk about four horsewomen, then Sasha winning the belt and Rousey going after Sasha is just as relevant to the four horsewomen thing. But anyway, let's just say it's Rousey and Charlotte. Then Asuka goes after, like you said, the Raw champion. And who's better? Is it Alexa or is it Sasha? Right? Right. But we've also stated there's no way they're even putting this WrestleMania stipulation on the Asuka-Naya Jax match if they plan to exclude Naya entirely. And you know they're not going to with WrestleMania if it's seven and a half hours long again, or even if it's just six hours. There's going to be an abundance of women's matches. And I don't think it's going to be another situation of like eight on eight. You know, it's going to be three or four women's matches. And uh, so who's Nia Jax's opponent now that that matters? Um, Who is there that would matter that they wrestled Nia Jax at WrestleMania? Probably Alexa. Alexa, because their friendship? Because they're, they're, they're best friends. They're not friends anymore. Okay, so there gives you a reason now to take the belt off Alexa so you can build toward Alexa Naya. Uh, so then, so basically it comes down to the only way that's happening is if somebody else besides Alexa wins this belt on this night. And you know what? I think I've talked myself into it. And I think that I'm going to say... Sasha Banks wins this Elimination Chamber match. Yay! Because that's where I'm at, too, with that one. Yep. I do think Sasha's going to win. I, I, I mean, I, I like the story that I constructed in my head about this, where the champion is fearful because they know they can't beat the, the competitor coming up for it, the challenger. Um, I, I like that idea a lot. But uh, we'll, we'll see. I just don't think Alexa's going to hold on to this thing coming out of this match, so... It's just the way I feel in my heart. It's the way I feel in my heart. Well, that's all fine and good. So, um, might as well. Yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah, okay, cool. Then, yeah, for all you dear listeners who, who track us every week and know that after this week, we're only six weeks away from WrestleMania. So, we're going to really start buckling down here on the whole Reffin Show talking about the road to WrestleMania. That's right. We're buckling down like in a buckling seatbelts because we're on the road to WrestleMania. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and say Sasha versus Asuka, Nia versus Alexa, and Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey. Then what do you do, though, with those other 20 amazing women? What do you do with women's, at WrestleMania? Women's Battle Royal in the pre-show. Uh, I don't know. They'll, they'll figure out a way to put, like, they'll do, like, an eight-on-eight. Eight. They did that kind of. You know what they need to do is that, I mean, I know Paige can't wrestle, but if, if Paige is never going to wrestle again, 
then they need to throw a fourth girl, a third active competitor into Absolution in time for the Riot Squad versus Absolution at WrestleMania. Now, there you go. That's two different shows, Darren. Two different shows. But that's WrestleMania for you. But, of course, here's the awful Here's the awful reality. Even if you do that and you've got seven more women on that program, in addition to these three singles matches, you're still completely leaving off the card Natalia, Becky Lynch, Bailey. Like, uh, they... By having a roster this large, they're doing themselves a major disservice. Right. No, no. They'll, they'll figure something out. They had to obviously build the roster up for that women's rumble, and now they have all these women on staff, and they got to figure out what to do with them. Um, so, obviously, we'll talk more about that the closer we get to WrestleMania because we got to talk about the main event of Elimination Chamber, the Elimination Chamber for the men. The men's Elimination Chamber, not for any title, by the way. This one is for... Well, the winner who beat, you know, these other guys, he goes on to fight someone later, uh, which is lame. And I, I like that Alexa Bliss point set out, by the way, when she's told that she has to defend her title in the Elimination Chamber. And she's like, how come Brock Lesnar doesn't, doesn't defend his? And it was kind of like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, she's right about that. Uh, so uh, this maybe one, we'll get to see Alexa Bliss versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll pay money to see that and other things at WrestleMania. Um, so this one's uh, a mixed bag. Some people in here that uh, definitely, well, there's a lot of familiar faces, but there's a couple of people that I'm very, very curious about. Uh, probably Elias. Very, very interesting that he finds himself in the main event of this uh, Elimination Chamber match, uh, considering people hated him forever. Uh, all of a sudden, people love him forever. So that that's very cool this, for him. It is very, very cool for him. It's incredible for me. I I'm stunned. I'm still I'm really stunned to see Elias in this position. But this is the first ever seven man elimination chamber. Historically, they're all six men. You have two that start the match, and you have four competitors, which are contained in sealed pods which uh, open at various times uh, randomly until all six men have entered the match. But obviously it's going to start as a triple threat match with four men in the pods. And uh, they're all seven of these men fighting for the right to face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. So even though nobody walks out with a belt here, they should, doesn't mean they will, but they should uh, by virtue of this victory, have a one-on-one matchup for the Universal title at WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar. But that was like five different pauses you just heard in my voice, which means five different opportunities for WWE to throw us a curveball in the next six and a half weeks. Um, but these seven men are, well, you already said, Elias. You also have Braun Strowman, John Cena... Roman Reigns, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, and The Miz. Now, I know you've got to be <laughs> really excited about The Miz being in this match. Yeah, of course. The Miz involved in this uh, match for potential uh, number one contendership to the Universal Championship, which being the Intercontinental Champion, he already technically is number one contender for that belt. Uh, and, of course, him being in this match means the belt's not defended on the pay-per-view because the IC Championship is never defended on the pay-per-view anymore. 
Uh, yeah, I can, I can go down that road, Darren, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I kind of strolled down it just now, though, but I was like, no. No, got back in my car, and I, I drove away. Um, so it, it's an interesting match because it's, again, a lot of familiar faces. People that you would see going on to WrestleMania. I mean, the two, the two number one contenders for this have got to be Strowman and Reigns, right? Going on to fight uh, Lesnar, right? Well, of course. I mean, it won't be the Miz, uh, and I won't I won't repeat what you said, but I completely agree about the misuse of the IC title. Not the misuse of the Miz. I think he all by himself is is fine for appearing here, but messing up the IC title uh, like they're doing, I don't understand that. But anyway, that is what it is. Seth Rollins, like you said earlier. Uh, uh, in this conversation, he got his 15 minutes uh, with uh, the longest ever Raw uh, match. And Elias, <laughs> he's just happy to be there. Finn Balor, they're throwing a dog a bone. And, uh, <laughs> you know, John Cena doesn't need anything. If John Cena came out on, if John Cena was the first one eliminated and then came out the very next night and said, uh, no, uh, you can't see me uh, until WrestleMania when I fight Brock Lesnar for the Universal title. They would just go with it. So there's, you know, John Cena doesn't need to win this. In fact, it'd be really... In fact, I would actually put money... <laughs> this is, of course, where I, I screw up and I make myself look stupid. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and say... Elias wins this match before John Cena does. Whoa. Elias isn't going to win it, but that's my point is John Cena may not be eliminated first, but he is the least likely to win because he doesn't need it because he doesn't need it. And it would be really weird to see him come out of this uh, right now because we think Vince McMahon or the, 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 the entities surrounding Vince McMahon that get blamed for the Roman Reigns push, they obviously want Reigns to win. The fans want Strowman to win. An element of fans, mostly the IWC, want either Strowman or Balor to win. Elias would be a weird dark horse that just doesn't make sense. And The Miz and Rollins, they're just in there for their credibility, but they're not going to win. But Cena, Cena, there's no... There is no sense in that at all. It's got to be Strowman or Roman, and it's going to be Roman. Well, first of all, before we get into who I think should win the match, I, I love how much difficulty there was getting these people together for the chamber match. You, you had qualifying matches on Raw, and even the people who lost the qualifiers got a second chance match where they... They fought it out to, to get one of the spots, which uh, Finn Balor won. Uh, Seth Rollins fought his way into it, which means it's the first ever seven-man Elimination Chamber match. Um, so there's all that difficulty for these guys to get here, correct? Yes? You correct, agree? yes. The women's match, which is for the championship, by the way, they literally said, all right, ladies, line up, okay? All right, you, you, you. You and you, you're in the Elimination Chamber match. Congratulations, bye. Um, so I, I wanna, I wanna address that very quickly. Um, all, like all this build up for this fucking match and for the women match, which means more because it is for the title. It's not for you get a chance later. 
you know, um, there was there was no real like qualifying for it. Uh, anyway, so the men's elimination chamber match. Elias has no shot in hell of winning this match, right? Um, the Miz had better not win this match because it means if the Miz, okay, if the Miz wins this match, I will quit watching wrestling because that means that the IC belt, oh. the IC belt is not defended at WrestleMania. It's bad enough that it was defended on the fucking pre-show at last year's WrestleMania. Um, but, uh, that, that, that's depressing. This might actually set up a Seth Rollins Miz program for WrestleMania for the IC belt. I think that might be why Rollins was thrust into this. Maybe he's the reason why the Miz doesn't win or something like that. And he kind of like, like Rollins at elimination chamber, you cost me everything. And now, yeah, that kind of a thing. I can see that happening. And Rollins going and in. now I'm going to change my entrance music to hate me now by Nas. And you. Darren can finally rest easily. That, that's what this is all really about. Uh, no, but I think this might be about getting Seth Rollins and the Miz uh, opponents for uh, WrestleMania. Um, so, so maybe, maybe that, that's their part in this. I do think that a lot of these competitors are going to kind of like splinter off into small feuds that lead into WrestleMania. Uh, but I mean, it does look like it's going to be Reigns that wins this to fight, uh, to fight Lesnar, right? But I don't know, man, that Strowman train's going pretty strong, even though Lesnar's already beaten Strowman, uh, cleanly, I might add, uh, at least one time. Um, people still want to see Strowman fight, uh, Lesnar. Absolutely they do. I want to see it. If I'm booking this, and I'm not, Braun Strowman wins the Elimination Chamber match in a dominant fashion. I don't care if he's the first one in. I don't care if he's the last one in. He needs to devastate anyone he gets his hands on. And then absolutely tear shit up. Throw the stadium upside down on a Raw one week. You know? Uh, I don't, fling fling the wrestling ring into the sun on on the next raw. Well then, well then, in that case, Apollo Apollo can stop the ring from going into the sun because he is Apollo, uh, the sun god. So, uh, yeah, but then he will still lose to Braun Strowman the following week. It's true. It's true. Yes. And then Braun Strowman squashes Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Right. That's what needs to happen. That will not happen. Well, they they could have they could have Strowman fight Lesnar at WrestleMania, and basically Lesnar gets treated like Goldberg was treated by Lesnar at WrestleMania last year. Basically, Strowman just kind of squashes. Uh, I almost said Goldberg. Uh, he squashes Brock Lesnar, which would be great, and Lesnar can leave for a while and uh, leave the championship belt, you know, around someone who's going to be around. Because I am, I am getting tired of the of the whole Universal Championship not being defended uh, frequently. So there's that. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge problem, and I can't stand it. And that's part of why you have that ridiculously long gauntlet match this past Monday. That's why you have all of these various qualifying matches with all of these same competitors. Because the only thing you have to build a story around are the contenders. Because you can't even build a story around the fucking champion. Because he's not there. Again, I'm not going to fault Brock Lesnar for the deal that he got. I fault WWE for giving it to him. And I double plus fault them for putting the belt on him. 
I wouldn't even care about the part-time schedule if he weren't the champion. It, it is not that he's been champion for like a little while, for a few months, or for six months. It'll be one year as of WrestleMania. So they let this happen for one year. And it's it's been bad for Raw, which is bad for business. So it's 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 a bad call. So whoever wins this thing, they're going to WrestleMania and they're going to defeat Brock Lesnar. Um, if they don't, that is that is all kinds of stupid, right? <laughs> it is all kinds of stupid. And here's the thing: one, I'm picking Roman because if Roman doesn't win this match and go on to beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, then one. What the hell have we been watching for the last three years? And, <laughs> right? Right. And two, what do you do with Roman then? Right? So, again, all signs point to this is the coronation Vince McMahon has been waiting on, and he's going to do with Roman what I would be doing with Braun Strowman. Right. So, Roman wins this match. He is undefeatable as hell for the next six weeks, and he beats Brock Lesnar at Mania. It won't be a squash, but he will beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, and the night will end with him as the champion. That's what will happen. Well, this this does seem like the, the common ground. Like, okay, I'll give you Shinsuke winning the Rumble, but Roman is going to beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania Shinsuke can fight AJ, fine, that'll appease all you PWI nerds, but damn it, <laughs> damn it, I'm going to have two muscle heads fight each other for the Universal Championship, right? So I, I do think this is Roman's moment. I, I agree with that. Right, and I think that, um, and I don't care. I don't care about the Roman Reigns character right now. I have cared for him at various points in the past right now, uh, and for the longest time now, I've had no care whatsoever for that character i don't want to see it i don't give a damn about it but for the sake of argument if he does not win this and go on to mania blah 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 like we said he would what then i go back to my previous statement what the hell do you do with him then whereas what do you do with Strowman? still has a lot of answers what do you do with roman doesn't really have an answer that i can come up with what do you do with Strowman? Uh, I don't want it to go down like that, but if it does, you got a lot of options for Braun Strowman. Still, I think you have far, far less for Roman Reigns at this point because of the stupid way he's been booked for the longest time now. So, so you are going with? Are you picking Roman like me? Well, hold on to go back with John Cena real quick. You said John Cena has no reason to win the match. You forget, Darren. He is officially tied with Ric Flair. When it comes to championship wins. I do not forget that. I do not. So if he wins one more time, that means he breaks the record. So he does have something to gain from this. Um, So I, I I wouldn't count out John Cena completely. But I do think that this is what it's been been building up to forever, it seems. Roman Reigns time to win the belt from uh, Lesnar, so I do agree and say I'm going to go with Roman Reigns, yes. Alright, well, we have picked this card, we have all the same picks, so it's been a while since we picked a card exactly the same, so now it's us against the writers. 
basically. <laughs> who who was right and who works for WWE? <laughs> <laughs> who was right? R I G H T, and who was right? W R I T E. Um, so uh, yeah, that's it for Elimination Chamber, and I'm sure they're going to add more matches, like you mentioned earlier, Darren, uh, to the pre-show. Uh, we don't talk about them if we don't know about them going in. So whatever. Right. We can we can make uh, we can make guesses of the future, but we can't actually predict the future. So there's no way of knowing what will actually happen on the pre-show, if anything. But dear listeners, you can tune in next week for the follow-up to the head-to-head head-to-head segment that we have on the show on the results, which always follow on the succeeding episode, which will be next week's episode 76, and see, were we correct with our choices? That is true. So we'll definitely see you guys next week for that. But we're not going anywhere. We are, however, leaving behind the world of WWE with all its twists and turns and plot holes and loop-de-loops and other things. Um, Oh, but we have fun, don't we? We're going back to the world of Fest Wrestling. We're going back to Gainesville, Florida. Hogtown, Darren likes to call it. Uh, for night two of Fest Wrestling, Love is a Battlefield 2, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, a lot went down. Darren was on hand. Darren is here with his full report. Ladies and gentlemen, dear listeners, all we are back to tell you all about night Two of Fest Wrestling's Love is a Battlefield 2 Electric Boogaloo. That's a lot of twos. That well, is. That, that, that is too many twos. It is too many twos. And at eight seconds, which is two times two. No, it's not. Two. Okay, okay. <laughs> you saved yourself there. Second, at eight seconds saloon, we get night two of. Love is a Battlefield 2, night two of the Battle for the Love Cup. We're getting the moving on with the brackets. We're getting some excellent singles matchups, and we've got our main event. The best wrestling champion, Sue Young, defending for well over 400 days, takes on the challenger, the holder of that pickle, Effie. Real quick question. This sounds like a pretty typical fest show to me. Uh, with all the great action and great uh, stars. Let me ask you this question, Darren. Is anyone drinking any... Uh, is anyone consuming any PBR? Uh, most definitely. Okay, okay. Making sure. Making sure. Yeah, there are horse troughs all around the the, uh, the building. He means that, by the way. There literally are horse troughs <laughs> full of PBR. But, but, yeah, but, but, but they're in cans and ice. It's not just a tub full of PBR for everyone to... To bring a straw up to and drink from. That'd well, that would be good if it was. No, no, Darren, no, no. But only if you could use a crazy straw. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there I found myself at ringside at 8 Seconds Saloon in Hogtown. There in beautiful central Florida. And I was all by my lonesome, but no, I wasn't. I was joined by good friends of the show... Voices of Fest Wrestling, Rich Bokini and Max Gregg. To my left, it was a pleasure to take the show in alongside these gentlemen. And I got to spend most of the evening 
hobnobbing with fest promoter Tony Weinbender. And there is no better seat in the house than the one that is standing next to Tony Weinbender. I will say that. Man, I miss I miss all the hobnobbing. I, I, I miss these two shows. I, I do miss the, the yucks, uh, the elbow rubbing, the hobnobbing with the likes of Max Gregg, Rich Bokini, Tony Weinbender, uh, the, the random uh, fest wrestling stars that we've had on the show. Uh, many, many, uh, many friends of the show uh, involved in this one, and I, I again, like, as I mentioned last week, like I, I really hate that I missed it. I, I seeing the stuff on Twitter about what's going on and seeing the stuff pop up on Facebook, it was just like, yeah, whatever, I don't care, I, I don't care that I'm not there, whatever. And I was in a really bad case <laughs> of denial, and I, I, it was rough. It was rough. Well, you know where denial belongs, don't you? Uh, in Egypt. <laughs> Is that where you're going with that one? <laughs> That's where I was going with that one. Oh, good, good, good. Okay. All right, but we weren't in Egypt. We were in Gainesville, Florida, and the show got off with a hilarious and uh, impactful beginning. You get to see the Ugly Ducklings. You get to see the Gymnasty Boys, and they each are seen shooting promos from last night, last night being the night prior in St. Augustine, after the events of the night in St. Augustine, as they prepared to face each other on this night, on night two. Uh, really excellent, very funny. Uh, the, the camera work uh, on these on these vignettes is, is amazing. And uh, it doesn't, uh, promos don't get better. Little, little promo vignettes don't get better than they do with the Ugly Ducklings and with the Gymnasty Boys. These guys, their routines are perfected and they... Uh, I, I think they're all, I think they are these people. That's the strangest part. I was about to say, I, I don't think they're routines. I, I think this is routine for them. No, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> I, I felt wrong when the word was coming out of my mouth because that's right. This is just routine. It is not a routine. Right. You're absolutely right. I, I, we, we discovered that about the Ugly Ducklings when we had them on the show. <laughs> they, they are, they're, they're energetic, we shall say. They're very energetic. They are energetic. Uh, after these vignettes, we get treated to a rather odd uh, spectacle, which is we get to see Effie preparing himself for his match that will be the main event of this evening. We see Effie uh, at the nail salon getting a pedicure. Nice, nice. And, uh, you know, he, he's boastful. He's confident. He, he knows he's got this match in the back. He's scouted Sue Young for quite some time. And he knows that he is the daddy of Fest Wrestling. So the guy's feeling good. He looks like he's feeling good. He's getting a little massage. He's getting a little color on the on those tips, those toes. Well, absolutely. He is the daddy of Fest Wrestling, getting all the things that daddies typically get. Um, right. but, but, but if Effie is the daddy, that would unmistakably make Sue the mommy. No, too true, too true. But all does not stay well. No, in fact, I think Daddy starts thinking about Mommy. And uh, Effie hallucinates. And we get to see through Effie's eyes, a lot like when Hulk Hogan saw Ultimate, Ultimate Warrior. Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> like like when, when Hulk Hogan, when Hollywood Hogan saw Ultimate Warrior through a mirror, and, and, so, and so did every wrestling fan watching it on TV. However... Eric Bischoff, who was there, was unable to see Ultimate Warrior in the mirror. I, okay, I see, where, I, see where, I see where we're going with this, yes. Yes, we actually see through Effie's eyes as he looks down 
to see that it is not just any woman uh, who is giving him a pedicure. It is, in fact, Sue Young. Oh, no. She slings her hair back out of her face, and I, it might be one of the scariest things I've ever seen. And <laughs> I mean, it's terrifying. She, she looks up and casts the fear of God uh, into Effie, and as confident as our man Effie is, uh, there is a moment there in all of his hallucinatory glory that uh, he is beside himself. Uh, the, the fear did get to him a little bit. Don't let him tell you any different. He may try to tell you different. He, he did try to tell me different. But <laughs> his fear, you could see the fear in his eyes at that moment. But then Fest family erupts. The house lights come on. Tony Weinbender hits the ring. He introduces Rich Bokini and Max Gregg. He introduces the wonderful referee squad headed up by Frank Gastineau. Frankie G, the one, the only. And ring announcers Jay Crown and Charles Volkert. Once all of the introductions have been done, it is time to get into the action. This is a second round match of the Battle for the Love Cup. Carlina Gore and Saeed Al-Sabah take on... The King of Swerve, Shane Strickland, and Adrian Alanis. Right? Not Adrian Adonis. Right, 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 right. Morissette. Yeah, we, we had to go into that on the last episode, yes. I, I can't help it. I can't help it. The, the guy was a solid worker, uh, a physical specimen, but uh, I, I'm a little hung up on the name. But, uh, right, right. And again, I grew up on, uh, you can't do that on television, and, uh, you know, Jagged Little Pill made quite an impact on my life, so. You, you were yeah. on that show? You were on You Can't Do That on Television? No, no. But, oh, okay, uh, okay. It did still make an impact on my life. All right. Saeed Al-Sabah is really over, period. The end. Uh, end of show. All right, thanks. Join us <laughs> next time. <folks. laughs> Good night, folks. <laughs> um, he is really over, but he's also extremely over with the entrance. All right, Saeed Al-Sabah makes quite an entrance, singing along with the music, grooving along with the music. Uh, he wants you to understand the words. These words are important to him, and they, and, they, and they factor in to his identity. And then he spirals himself into the ring, and uh, we're off to a start here. All right, another thing I must I, I would be remiss if I did not... Let you know that Shane Strickland still coming out to Chaka Khan. Yay! Chaka Khan. And uh, that makes me smile really big. It makes me colon capital D. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. So, in this match, Sabah really gets under the skin of Shane Strickland. I mean, Strickland is pissed from the get-go about the way that Sabah is treating him. Sabah is pushing all of his buttons. Um, now, Carlina Gore is going to suffer the reality of her uh, diminutive stature in this match, more so than I've seen at any other point. She really gets manhandled because of her size. Uh, like Even her power moves, even her offense gets reversed very easily. Now, it looks impressive as hell, but it keeps her coming up repeatedly with the short end of the stick. And, uh, you know, that, that's unfortunate for her. Uh, it's almost unfortunate for me. I almost got my head kicked off my shoulders by Shane Strickland because he comes, like, <laughs> kick-swinging through the ropes, sort of like a 619, into the corner. 
And I'm where I'm standing, I'm literally leaning up against the ring apron. And uh, that's too close. That's too close for a fan to be. How are you that close to the ring? Uh, is, isn't the pink tape out? Is the pink tape not in full effect? The pink tape is in full effect where I had never noticed before because I'm typically standing with a large group. Whereas on this night, I bellied up rather early just to the right of the announce table. There is no pink tape. You can walk up to the railing and it's literally railing. Without pink Green tape, apron. there is anarchy, Darren. What are they thinking? No, there was pink tape. There was pink tape. Okay, but not, not on your side, though. No, no, no. I was a one-man anarchy. I was I was a one-man riot. Did, did, did you, are you related to one-man gang? Is that, uh, is it a relate? Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, we're, we're a tag team. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But the two-man gang riot. Well, then, okay, if you're a two-man gang, you can't be a one-man gang anymore. Well, we are individually. <laughs> when you're together, you're a two-man gang. However, when you tag him in and he's the official man in the ring, he's legal man, he's still one-man gang, technically. He's by himself. Um, okay. Now you're getting it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So back to Fest Wrestling. <laughs> so I'm leaning way too... I'm basically leaning in into the ring, because that, that's a good idea. And Shane Strickland, I guess this was his way of... Uh, I don't know, if this were NASCAR, it'd be rubbing. And you know what they say about rubbing, don't you? <laughs> Rubbing's racing. Rubbing is racing, according to Days of Thunder? Yes. Okay. And uh, so this was the equivalent of rubbing... As Shane Strickland grazes my face with his educated feet, and uh, yeah, I, I thought I was gonna die for a second. Um, that sounds horrible. You know, Sabah and Strickland is a really good matchup. I need to see more of this. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, we get a near fall when Strickland hits the coup de gras to Sabah's face. I was the gnarliest version of that I've ever seen. I almost feel like we're seeing that move. Uh, and a variation on that move too often all over the world of wrestling. But this particular execution of it was, yee. We have, we uh, have been seeing that a lot, but I, I've, I've always seen it from Shane Strickland, so I wouldn't say he's one of those. It, it, it's not like one of those, like, everyone does a code breaker things. It's like, no, nah, I think he's, he's always done that. I think it's actually one of the, like, his main moves. Yeah. We get to see Carlina Gore and Shane Strickland fight each other. On the ring apron, on the outside, uh, and uh, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily be the one to spill the beans here. Spill the beans, is that right? Sure. Not, not spill the cookies or lose the cookies. No, that's that's the way. <laughs> Some people go crazy. According to you, they they lose their cookies. Um, right. I, I forgot you about know, I, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, friend of the show, John Bring, made sure to correct me. And tell me that losing one's cookies it means vomiting. And I said, no, that's tossing one's cookies. And he said, it's also losing one's cookies. And I said, <laughs> okay, fine, I'm not going to argue about it. But nevertheless, no cookies are involved here. I, I, I recall uh, someone at, in that equation uh, stuffing a lot of cookies in their mouth and then uh, regurgitating them onto uh, the other uh, out of spite. Uh, go on. <laughs> That is true. Um, 19 years ago, I may or may not have put an entire pack of Lemino cookies in my mouth out of pure spite and uh, straddled John Bring 
in a recliner and um, then uh, vomited all those cookies onto him. There are people out there who would pay big bucks to see that happen. Uh, you know, I don't mean I don't mean like people who don't like you. I mean people who are into that kind of thing. So. You, I don't you, know you may people. have a side hustle on your hands. You may have a side hustle on your hands there, Darren. I don't know. I don't need that money. I don't need that in my life. Uh, John didn't need it in his life 19 years ago. And uh, <laughs> I don't need it in my life these days. And so I'll, I'll leave it alone. But, yeah, so we're spilling something. We're spilling the, the beans. We're start spreading the news. Carlina Gore and Shane Strickland, they're an item. So when they're on opposite teams and they're fighting one another – Oh, boy. Lover's quarrel. Lover's spat. It is. Jiminy Cricket. They are are beating the hell out of one another. And then we get to see a big powerbomb from Adrian Alanis. Near fall, but Sabah hits Alanis with a big bulldog and wins the match. Saeed Al-Sabah and Carlina Gore moving on up like the Jeffersons in the Battle for the Love Cup. Now, all I'm going to say is, before I even announce the matchup, I'm going to say the Gymnasty Boys are over like Rover at Fest Wrestling. All right? So funny. So brilliant. Right? Back that ass up. I mean, juvenile. I mean, come on. (laughs) No, it's juvenile. And it's juvenile. Right, right. All right. So here's the deal. White Mike dancing with a girl out of the crowd. Fest family dancing all up ons. White Mike, I mean, backing that ass up. And then some. Before he even gets to the ring, White Mike finds a twin in the crowd. I almost lost my cookies. Uh, (laughs) I, I almost lost my cookies. And when there was a guy who did look eerily like White Mike in the front row with... With the long, brown, straight brown hair, with the little mustache, it, it was the thing that dreams are made of. It, it was definitely uh, the thing that dreams are made of. And, oh right, they're taking on Awaken. People love the Gymnasty Boys, and people love to hate Awaken. Man, oh man. Leon Scott and Wolf Taylor have got the nuclear heats, brother. I'm going to tell you, people love to hate this post-apocalyptic duo. Now, fighting immediately on the outside. Wolf Taylor, it's a pile driver on Timmy Lou Retton of the Gymnasty Boys on the bar top. Man. I mean, it's a brilliant spot. That the, the bar top, the, they've gone on top of the bar in Fest Wrestling before. But what a gnarly pile driver out of Wolf Taylor here. How is uh, there like, room for that on that bar top? Ex- uh, exactly. I saw it, and I can still ask that question. Man. So they're fighting on the outside forever. Uh, most of the match takes place on the outside. And by the time Timmy Lou Retton makes his way to the ring, he's already bloodied in the nose. Well, when I think back on uh, Awaken matches, typically my my memories involve outside uh, uh, wrestling because uh, Awaken they'll use the, the the dirty tactics on anyone because that's what they're best at. And uh, you know, Wolf jumping off the little tiki hut inside of eight seconds, or you know, Leon Scott uh, 
throwing someone through a merch table. Uh, I think he threw Effie through a merch table, maybe. Uh, just, I mean, some crazy stuff. Slamming slamming Milo Beasley into the, the, the horse trough of PBR. Um, all kinds of shit, man. It's it's just, it's it's insanity. But uh, I've seen Gymnasty Boys get nasty on the outside, too. So, And then this is a rare heel versus heel conflict. So I'm really interested to see how this goes. Uh, no, it's too true. By the time we see uh, in-ring action, Timmy Luretton is uh, in the ring. He's bloody, but he's got the hot tag, and he's going wild on Awaken until he unfortunately gets trapped in a DVD from Wolf Taylor. Uh, Timmy Luretton bumps hard, hard on the steps and on the apron with his own elbow and then hard to the floor. Wow. It is like bump, bump, bump. Uh, it's really ugly looking. Timmy Lee Retton is taking a pounding, that's for sure. Now, the nasties, the, the gymnasties, they just, they, they can't turn face despite the rat bastards that are awakened. Uh, <laughs> like you said, it is heel on heel any way you slice it. Um, People will also pay good money for that heel on heel action. Yes. And <laughs> Wyatt Mike hits Wolf with a spinning Death Valley driver, and then Timmy Lou Retton hits a moonsault for the win. And again, much like the Jeffersons, on the Jeffersons, there's moving on up. And nice. it's happening. The Gymnasties are moving on up in the Battle for the Love Cup. Man. Now, I got a question for you. Starts with a hashtag, ends with, Where's Jim Sherbear? <laughs> What's the response? Begins with a hashtag and it ends with a there's Jim Sherbear. Sure. Jim oh, Sherbear yeah. came back? What? Three, not two, ladies and gentlemen. Three, not two, dear listeners. Three equally charming heterosexuals are in Hogtown at eight seconds. There's Jim Sherbear. There's Jim Sherbear. I seemed to say with my one-man chant, uh, me and the one-man gang, we were a two-man <laughs> chant. And Jim Sherbear was right there with Big Mike Monroe and Trevor Reed as they took on the Ugly Ducklings, the team of Rob Kiljoy and Lance Lude, as always, with their lovable coach, Mikey. You might be the only one that actually looked forward to seeing Jim Sherbear come back. I doubt the Ducks did. Uh, well, maybe Mikey did because he got a chance to to, to ridicule and beat up on uh, Jim Sherbear. Precisely. Nobody was excited except me and Coach Mikey. <laughs> me, because that meant I got to say the words Jim Sherbear out loud without people looking at me like I was a crazy person. <laughs> And Mikey for precisely the reason that you just gave, which nice. is, hey, somebody for me to beat up on. Right. Well, three equally charming heterosexuals, all three of them, attack the Ugly Ducklings during the entrance. Sherbear, Sherbear, shit-talking Jim Sherbear, hits the ducks with the pin with their own pendulum move. What? Killjoy, held up by Reed and Monroe, Sherbear runs through, I'm sure he's shit-talking, I'm sure he's talking shit, and he spins Rob Killjoy over. Then Sherbear turns around, suicide dives through the middle of the top rope onto Coach Mikey. Uh, Sherbear with a bullet, yeah. uh, right? 
Well, also, the, the tech guys are pretty fresh. I mean, the Ducks had to fight uh, the Coda the night before, so they're they're a little worse for wear coming into this match. Tech is fresh. They got a bye. For unknown reasons, Tech has a bye going into this, and then they had their, their full force. They got Jim Chabert with them. So, I mean, the Ducks might be in trouble here, right? Or... Uh, no, the Ducks are in trouble because much like George Washington, here comes Tech in control. And Tech absolutely beats ass until finally Lance Lude gets a hot tag uh, to Rob Kiljoy. Uh, Mike Monroe at one point fails to hit the Ducks Day device. Sherbear fails to hit the Ducks Day device. But Lude then rolls up Trevor Reed for the win. Out of nowhere, Lance Lude out of nowhere, Dr. B and Mr. Lude for the win. The Ducks are the Jeffersons, and they're moving on up. <laughs> You're going to have to stop saying that. I'm going to have to keep saying it. Uh, uh, okay, well. Now, the Ducks are in the thick of it still. And we're going to get to the final round of the Love Cup soon enough, but not before we have an outstanding singles match in a weekend that is centered around a tag team tournament. We get our fair share of fun, awe-inspiring singles matches here at Fest Wrestling, and we see M-Dog, Matt Cross, some people call him Son of Havoc. Some people call him Friend of the Show. And he takes on Serpentico. Some people call him Jonathan Cruz. Some people also call him friend of the show. <laughs> and he's definitely born a snake. And when these two get in the ring together, you can imagine it's going to be a crazy exchange. Talk about shock and awe. The crazy exchange that happens is a tit for tat, move for move, pillar to post. Which way is up? I don't know. And next thing you know, they're standing. They're facing one another afterward, and they're in an immediate handshake embrace, which results, of course, in a both these guys chant from Fest Family and Serpentigo cheap shots cross. Yes. Right during the middle of a both these guys chant. Man. So, incredible tumbling action, high flying busyness. Busyness in the best way possible. These men move like ants in a hill that's been kicked over. Um, lots of big splashes. A lot of failed big splashes, as in nobody's home. Coup de gras that are turned into rolls and recoveries. Uh, the ring awareness, the, the, the absolute spatial awareness that these two individuals have is incredible. Uh, they don't really have to go on a defense that much because they recover uh, immediately. It's amazing the recoveries out of these two. But Serpentico for the win. Wow. Serpentico, born a snake, cheats like a snake early on, but after a hard-fought match, he earns the victory over Matt Cross. And then he gets a microphone in his hand, and while they both sit in the middle of the ring exhausted, Serpentico takes the moment to thank Matt Cross for all of his indie wrestling trailblazing efforts, and Serpentico exits the ring first out of a sign of respect for his fallen opponent, Matt Cross. Tons of love, adulation from the Fest family for one of their own, and that is punk rocker Matt Cross. Feeling the love, exits after Serpentico, 
to the, uh, the delight of all those uh, in attendance on this evening. That's quite a big W there for old Serpentico. Um, I mean, both these guys are, are, are really great at what they do. Uh, Matt Cross has lots of experience under his belt. Um, and Serpentico obviously has a good amount of experience trained by the Dudleys, as we you know found out on the show. Um, so, I mean, I, I can't imagine how good this match was. It's it, it's it must be hard to just be like, or rather, I, I don't know what it sounds like to, to the listeners when it's like, oh, yeah, just a good match and, and this and this and that and counters and, and, and roll-ups. Because it, it goes, okay, that sounds pretty typical. But being there, there's like there's nothing nothing that compares to actually being there for something like this. And I am deeply saddened that I miss this matchup between Matt Cross and Serpentico. Uh, I, I, I'm going to say this. I know that you and I, uh, we we do this podcast where it's the 75th time we've done this podcast. And uh, I think we pride ourselves on our ability to use our words to paint pictures. And yet, despite my confidence in my ability and your ability, you're right. There's no way of describing a match like this uh, that could uh, match up with being there and seeing Matt Cross wrestle Serpentico in front of a fest wrestling crowd. It, It is a thing of beauty. Beautiful. Beautiful. After this match, we get some more beauty. We get another killer set from Los Murmurs during the intermission of this show, Love is a Battlefield 2. We got a little break. We're going to get some surf rock, garage rock, reggae. Uh, what else do you want to call it? Polka fusion. Uh, it is. It's kind of a polka fusion. Uh, <laughs> Los Murmurs, in their luchador mask, will uh, blast out some really killer, fun instrumental party punk rock here uh, at a wrestling organization that, again, prides itself in being by punks and for everyone. They're kind of like the a punk version of the Ventures. They like like, like a, exactly a punk luchador punk. version of the Ventures. The Ventures, by the way, for those who are not familiar with the Ventures, did songs like Walk Don't Run. Instrumentals, like a lot of surf music, uh, Walk Don't Run, Pipeline, uh, that, that stuff. Uh, if you don't know those songs... You actually do, you just don't know what they're called or who they're by. Uh, read a book, talking, kids! Now who's talking about 50s music this week, huh? Oh, fuck you. You, you are. <laughs> yeah, and you I love are, it. I love it. We come back from intermission, Los Murmurs are packing their Lucha Libre masks and their instruments away for the evening. And the wrestlers are coming back out. We get the ringing of the bell. We get the wiping of the feet. We get the one, two, threes from the referees in their zebra costumes. And the first match back from intermission is a scramble match for the number one contender to the Fest Wrestling World Championship. The World Championship, which will be decided at the end of the night between Sue Young and Effie. But before we find out which one of them is moving on, to the hardcore hunt next month. We're going to find out who the opponent's going to be. Ooh. First, so when Effie and Sue square off later, they're already going to know what the light at the end of the tunnel is that's coming right for them. Who could it be? Could it be Beastly? Could it be Leva Bates? Could it be Vandal of Awaken? Could it be Ariel Monroe? Could it be Jason Cade? It is a five-person scramble match. One of these people will fight the winner of Sue Young and Effie next month at the Hardcore Hunt. Jason Cade takes a knee. Of course he does. <laughs> Jason, Cade. 
Jason Cade takes a knee. He gets the microphone. He lambastes Fest Wrestling owner Tony Weinbender for the fact that in Fest there are no rules. And at Fest there are quote-unquote, and I do mean quote-unquote Jason Cade, I would never say this, bullshit scrambles. <laughs> he is tired of the bullshit scramble matches he is forced to compete in. Jason Cade doesn't understand why he has to fight three people, four people, eight people, ten people. He says, this is bullshit. Why can't I get a singles match, Tony? Well, Jason Cade, you know, to be fair, uh, you, you, I don't always appreciate uh, the protests. Um, the, the, the taking of the knee is only one very small example. Uh, you know, you can go back to him and Veda Scott pulling uh, folding chairs out and sitting in the ring. Uh, for protesting, uh, I believe, the festy results. Um, so, I mean, Jason Cade, he, he he can't be fair in that. You see Jason Cade more often than not in pickle-in-the-tree matches, uh, you know, ladder matches or tag team matches with uh, his uh, teammate in pop culture, uh, Veda Scott. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Jason, you'd still be in the Battle for the Love Cup had you succeeded uh, in your match the night before, so I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to hear it. But also, it's got to be weird for him because him and Le- Leva Bates were teammates the night before, and now, and now they have to fight each other. It's ruthless because they had to figure out who the number one contender is. And and the downside here is, and and you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself because you have to beat these other people in the scramble match. But the thing is, even if you win that number one contendership, by this point, you won't even know who to prepare for. Because Sue might not be champion at the end of the night. So you don't, you don't know. But Jason Cade, I will say, very talented wrestler. Uh, always a lot of fun to see. And uh, he, he may or may not have a point with Tony. I do know he took some of his grievances out on Twitter. Uh, he put something out on Twitter along the lines of, he's he's finished with uh, Fest Wrestling. He, he doesn't care for Tony Weinbinder's bullshit. Um, but I do think some people thought that he was being uh, uh, very, very... Uh, real about that. I know Brian Cage chimed in. It was like, oh yeah, what happened, man? He probably had to <laughs> probably had to DM Brian Cage and go like, no, no, it's 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 fine, it's fine. No. He's like, oh no, what'd you do? <laughs> Should I get an adult? What happened? Yes, I'm gonna call my dad. My dad's gonna be so mad. <laughs> I'm gonna get my daddy. He's gonna be so mad. <laughs> I will say this though, Jason Cade, if you want a singles match, you better win the scramble, bud. Exactly, but you're not, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you can continue to protest. You can pour mouth, and uh, you you are you're the whipping boy. Uh, you're the whipping boy. Uh, I'm gonna wow. say it again. Wow, you're the whipping boy of fest, and you'll be back, and you'll continue to be whipped. I'm sorry. Wow, wow, Jason Cade. He does not speak for me, my friend. That is the voice it's of a- Darren Beasley. That is the voice okay. of Darren Beasley, Mr. Curly Mustache. Uh, so you you have a problem. You take it out on him, okay? All right. Well, you know what they always uh, want to remind you of? They don't pay me to be nice. They pay me to be honest. Wait, 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 wait. They pay you? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. And so, of course, I'm going to call it like I sees it. Okay. And Jason Cates. A whipping boy. Okay, so Leva. Leva Bates, artist formerly known as Blue Pants, cosplayer extraordinaire, cosplay princess, and all-around indie darling. Leva Bates, who was wrestling as Veda Scott on night one 
of Love is a Battlefield. Here on night two, she's going she's gonna to ditch the red wig for the, the natural blue locks that Leva Bates has. Her naturally blue hair. She uses that red wig, however, to play bullfighter with Beastly. And uh, that's quite a sight to see. Um, <laughs> I think Salvador Dali painted this scene the best when he painted the hallucinogenic Toreador. And there Leva was in just such a position as Beastly uh, rammed forward blindly, blind with rage at the red being dangled in front of his face. But Leva then hits a suplex into a bridge pin for a near fall on Beastly. Whoa. And that's really sharp looking. Ariel Monroe looks just as sharp. Sharp. Ariel Monroe, two nights in a row, impressed the hell out of me. She came out of nowhere. Three weeks ago, when we were talking about her, it was sort of like, yep, there she is. And now, after watching her wrestle on these two occasions, uh, I just want to know where she booked next. That's where I want to <laughs> That's where I want to go watch wrestling. Yeah, I mean, just just looking at her, she has a really awesome look. Um, the mohawk is super cool. Um, she's got some muscle on her frame. I mean, she looks like she could handle herself in the ring. And, and, and hearing really cool things about her from you, from watching her these two nights, and again, wishing I was there to see it myself. So Leva is then going to take, uh, she's going to take herself to the top rope, to the outside, onto everyone with a big leap. Then Jason Cade, oh, now he's going to get involved. He helps Leva to start off with the, the Undertaker's old school maneuver across the ropes. But then Jason Cade yanks her off of the rope and he hits her with the FU or the attitude adjustment or whatever you want to call it. And then gives us the big you can't see me uh, <laughs> hand across the face move. So Jason Cade is just, oh, man. Twist the knife slowly, why don't you, Jason? Now, we get uh, we get everybody in a circle. We get punches going around. Then, ultimately, super kicks. A simultaneous super kick, all in opposite directions, as we see everyone fall to the mat. Now, interestingly enough, there are five people in the scramble match, but the whole time, Awaken is at ringside. All right, well, we know that Vandal is in this match. Vandal is an excellent competitor. He's certainly getting his shit in. But why is Awaken out there? They can support from the back. No, instead, we see Leon Scott on what is tantamount to a throne um, near the entranceway. Wolf Taylor sitting next to him on a bar stool. And... You know, with Awaken at ringside the whole time, you're just you're, you're, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's all it is. Right. And so eventually, it happens. Wolf Taylor jumps in. Wolf and Vandal set up Beastly only for Leon Scott to come in. Powerbomb Beastly. Vandal gets the pin, but it is broken up by Leva. Leva hits a top rope pedigree on Cade for the win. Wow. Leva... It's like she's in two places at once. Not only is she fending off the, the unwelcome attack by Awaken, next thing you know, top rope pedigree? Yeah, I didn't know Leva Jason Bates had Cade. eight arms. I mean, that's she's putting that on her resume. Apparently, right. she can do a lot of things at once. Well, exactly. She's a regular octopus, and much like the Beatles, it's eight arms to hold you. 
How much like the Beatles and maybe an octopus's garden? There you go. Nice. For a leave of AIDS. So maybe that could be, maybe she could cosplay all four Beatles. Uh, <laughs> or, or at least play play all their instruments with her eight arms. <laughs> now, uh, I'd kind of like to see that. So, new number one contender for the Fest Wrestling World Championship, Leva Bates. Wow. Girl, girl, good on you. Leva Bates, who, I mean, if you want to scramble, especially against those people, then you, you definitely, you got to be sharp, you got to be quick, you got to be skillful. Leva's got all that to boot. She's an indie darling, as you say, so she has all that experience, too. So whether whether it be Sue Young or be Effie, they better be ready for Leva Bates. All right, that means after all three of the Jeffersons have moved on up here into the main event of the Love Cup, we are going to see it all settled here, dear listeners. Just like last year, the final match in the Battle for the Love Cup is a triple threat tag team match. The Ugly Ducklings with Coach Mikey, the Gymnasty Boys, and the team of Carlina Gore and Saeed Al-Sabah. And is that enough? Yes, it is. <laughs> but are they going to leave it alone? Are they going to let it be? Are they going to let it stay enough? No. They're going to go stacks on stacks on stacks here at Fest Wrestling. And owner, promoter, and all-around leader of the Fest Revolution, Fest Wrestling, Fest family, Tony Weinbender, gets up on the side of the ring, grabs the microphone, and lets us know not only is this tag match a battle for the Love Cup it also is for the new debuting Fest Wrestling Tag Team Championship. Yes! Yes! Finally, some Tag Team Golden Fest Wrestling. You and I have talked about that quite a lot on the show, how that needs to happen, especially with all the tremendously talented tag teams that come and go through Fest Wrestling, man. And we know that. The whole Fest family knows that. Tony knew that. And so on this night, Frankie G and the Zebras bring out these beautiful white leather with gold plate tag team championships. And, oh, yeah, they're real. I saw the pictures. It's like tag gold. I like that. I like that old, like, kind of, like, icy belt uh, uh, white leather. I I like that a lot, actually. These belts have a really unique and special look to them, a special feel. And uh, Tony pops the boys. That's all I'm going to say. Tony popped the boys. Uh, these teams knew at that moment, these three tag teams, despite whatever gold they've had in the past, whatever success they've experienced, they know on this night, as soon as those words come out of his mouth and the zebras bring the straps through the curtains, they all know that trophy, that cup, that love cup, and those beautiful white and gold belts are all on the line, and they pop for it. Now, Timmy Lou Redden, he starts off the match by devastating Carlina Gore. <laughs> uh, Rob Killjoy makes like a duck and flies everywhere. Killjoy taking it to the streets, taking it to Timmy Lou Redden, until Saeed Al-Sabah gets in the ring and puts an end to that I'm going to just say this. Everyone in this match looks amazing. I'm not just saying that to put them over. I'm not just saying it to be nice. I know that might sound generic. It's simply the truth. 
Everyone looks amazing in this match. The impact on these cross bodies, on these splashes, on these tosses, the, the, the flesh on flesh impact that we're seeing here, it's gnarly. It, it, it's ghastly. It's ghoulish. Now, the gymnasties, they set up a door across a couple of chairs. White Mike goes up on the side too far and gets kicked down. Now, the match gets brutal at this point. They're on the outside. They're on the inside. They're flying. Fisticuffs. Again, I already talked about the ridiculous body-on-body -body impact between these teams. But the Ducks are going to hit the Duck State of Vice on Timmy Lou Retton onto Saeed Al-Sabah, who is lying on a table. One, two, three, eliminates Saeed Al-Sabah and Carlina Gore. Wow. So now Saeed Al-Sabah and Carlina Gore are out of this thing, which means it's like it's it's familiar foes fighting each other for this. And, and so much is on the line now. But the belts, the brand new Fest Wrestling belts, someone gets to become the first ever Fest Wrestling Tag Team Champions. And, of course, the tremendous trophy... Uh, the the Love Cup, and we have the Gymnasty Boys and the Ugly Ducklings, no strangers to each other. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, as Alpha the Robot from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers might say, <laughs> I, 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 I. <laughs> he might say that. He might. Before you know it, the Gymnasties are your new Tag Team Champions for Fast Wrestling and the winners of the Love Cup. I don't think we saw this coming. No, man. I think everyone from the beginning, I know when we talked to Rich, we thought this. I, we thought the Ducks all the way. And the Ducks did go all the way to the end. But I guess in the end, those Gymnasty Boys, man. But, but I guarantee you that, man, those belts are going to be up for grabs and on the line against the Ugly Ducklings in the very near future. And I can't wait to watch them battles for them belts. They're gonna be uh, they're gonna be more intense maybe than ever. We've already seen these two teams battle each other, uh, not only in front of the Fest family, but all over the Southeast. Will it continue? Hell yes, it's gonna continue. Hashtag fight forever. Right, and now there's more on the line than ever. It's uh, it's it's a reality with these beautiful new Fest tag team belts. But congratulations to Timmy Lou Retton and White Mike, collectively known as the Gym Nasty Boys. Uh, they put the ducks down. They put the ugly ducklings down on this occasion. But they will be back because ducks fly together. That's so true. <laughs> no, that, that, that is very true. And I have, I have no doubts we'll see the ducks uh, coming for those belts, like I said, very, very soon. And now, Perry... And now, dear listeners, it is time for your Fest Wrestling Love is a Battlefield 2 Electric Boogaloo Night 2 Main Event. Sue Young, the Fest Wrestling World Champion, defends her title against the golden boy of Grabass, the feminist icon, and the most corporate-sponsored sports entertainer today, E-F-F-Y-F-E. A lot of anticipation going into this match, of course. 
It is kind of like the two biggest entities in Fest Wrestling going at it. I mean, you have Effie, who is the embodiment of Fest Wrestling. Kind of like, be yourself, you know, do it yourself, and, and that is Fest Wrestling, and have a good time. Um, and Sue Young, who's just the phenom of Fest Wrestling, and has been the champion for over a year now. So, I mean, this, this, is, this is intense. This is a pretty big deal. Uh, it absolutely is. This is uh, the, these are you said two powerful entities. They're they're mom and dad. Mom and dad are getting a divorce. That's right. what it is. It does. Right. Does. They're they're bigger than that. I mean, they're, Sue Young. She's you know she's the thing that goes bump in the night, and uh, Effie is, is is the thing that makes you go what the hell when he goes bump in the night, and <laughs> you know it's bigger than that. It, it it's man. It's woman. It's the moon. It's the sun. It's the day and the night. It's the yin and the yang. Boy, that eastern shit. They really know what's up. And here in Gainesville, these two great powers collide inside of a squared circle. They are the mega powers of Fest Wrestling. <laughs> they really are. We are all very, very lucky to live in this day and age, to live in this part of the country, to make our way down to ringside to watch these entities on a collision course. And we will see this collision course explode with all of the exuberance and fervor that you could possibly expect from two Forces of nature, and that's what you've got here. You got Effie and you got Sue Young. They're forces of nature uh, in the bodies of a man and a woman who are having a wrestling match. They, it's they, as simple as that. They are forces of nature. They are elements, uh, much like fire and wind and water. Um, they, they, if you add them to Captain Planet, Captain Planet becomes all the more cooler. Really, he does. <laughs> well, he becomes any cooler. Right. Because right. He he is not he is not any he is not any level of cool all by himself. <laughs> um I mullet flat top, I mean come on, only I was allowed to wear that hairstyle in the fifth grade. Not you, Captain Planet, that's mine. Fair enough. That, that's what happens when you let Ted Turner design a superhero. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get Captain Planet. Uh you get Captain Planet or Jane Fonda. Yes. She is a superhero. On this night, you will not see Hanoi Jane. You will not see Butttooth Ted. No, you will not even see the Atlanta Braves, but you will see an undead bride take on a golden boy of grab ass. Uh, this is all seriousness. This is absolute uh, tooth and nail. This is, uh, this is, this is, this is love and hate, man. Again, with the forces of nature, it's bigger than a fight. But it is a fight, and that's the thing. This is a fight to the finish. They slough off all of the magic and demons. This is a battle between two mortal coils. And they are about to strip one another of their own mortal identities because they both seemed bound and determined to kill the other one inside the ring on this night. And uh, holy shit, I, I was right there at ringside. They lit kendo sticks on fire and sword fought with them. 
I've never seen uh, someone somersault through the air with the greatest of ease since maybe the Flying Walindas uh, until this night Sue Young falls on Effie from all sorts of different uh, arrangements and then all through metal chairs onto hardwood floors. I don't know how their bodies could possibly endure this type of pain, and yet they do. Effie at one point takes an enormous tumble off the top rope onto an empty table because Sue Young moves out of the way, and this thing splinters into a bozillion pieces. Yes, a bozillion pieces. <laughs> Effie was pissed. He, he's, he's not a math teacher, folks. Yeah, Effie was super pissed looking for that table, too, and uh, he came after Tony Weinbender at one point saying, where's my table, Tony? Uh, because, you know, the table got, uh, got brought into the action earlier in the night. And I think Effie thought he was about to have to go sans table against Sue Young here when he wanted nothing more. And yet, in the end, it is Effie who sends himself tumbling through the hardwood of a table and down to the rather gnarly, sweaty-looking gray <laughs> ring canvas. That's poetic. Uh, really, <laughs> he fell on his own sword, or in this case, his own table. Uh, too true, too true. Nevertheless, where there is no more table, there are always fest wrestling doors. There are always fest wrestling doors to go through. <laughs> Never a shortage of doors. And so we get a door propped up in the corner, and eventually it's Effie who goes through that door as well. The the man, Daddy, he's, he brought the groceries, and he's getting the groceries flung through all the shit. <laughs> I mean, at one point, I really began to feel sorry for the dude. I was like, he's not going to be able to walk tomorrow. He's not going to be able to walk tonight. There's no way he's going to be able... To, to pull this victory out. And and so at, at several points, Sue Young seems like Effie's just another small uh, speed bump in her long and winding road uh, as Fest champion. Well, I know, I mean, Effie, Effie seemed very confident going into the match, and he, he kind of said, like, you know, I don't care. I don't care that Sue's, you know, putting on this character. She's just a person. But, you know, Sue is a person. People are capable of... Uh, capable of destruction we've seen sue young you know i mean people forget sue young went through a lot to hold on to that fest wrestling championship i mean she defended it you know not only you know for the people in gainesville and people in san augustine she defended it you know all over the place she defended it out of out of country uh but i mean she's taking on people like sammy callahan who fucking dragged her through hell and back uh jessica havoc who almost destroyed her uh, I mean, just people really, really... This this woman can withstand a lot of punishment. So I think Effie kind of found that out in the match. He may he may have underestimated her and said, you know what, she's smaller than I am, I can take care of business, but found out the hard way that she's, she's crafty, she's cunning, and she'll get the job done. She'll absolutely get the job done. I think you remember one of Sue Young's opponents uh, called into our show simply to taunt Sue Young through our show. When Holiday, Sue Young's opponent from uh, one of the shows last year, calls our show to really just humiliate us uh, and, and make sure <laughs> we can do that, that on Sue our own. Holiday, <laughs> and, and she also made sure that Sue Young understood that it was not a threat; it was a promise that she was coming to collect Sue Young's soul. And yet, even she fell. Holiday, 
fell to the mighty Su Young. But all of Su Young's screaming, all of her magic and demons, her high flying, will it be enough? In true, true, barbaric fashion, Effie and Sue each grab a metal folding chair and they go to war. Toe-to-toe, -to -toe, center of the ring, they are beating the hell out of one another. The back, the shoulders, the arms, the rib cage, and yes, even in the concussion era, the head. We see Effie and Sue beat one another within an inch of their lives, and it is Sue that simply collapses only a moment before Effie. Sue collapses, Effie collapses on top of her. One, two, three. Wow. And new Fest Wrestling World Champion, Effie. Words you have not heard, new Fest Wrestling Champion, and over a year since Sue Young defeated Heidi Lovelace, a.k.a. Ruby Riot, at Pickle in the Tree 1. Man, that is that is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um, I'm going to say this. Uh, Niagara Falls throughout the, uh, throughout the arena. Niagara Falls. Lots of tears. Lots of tears. Big old fat rain falling right out of people's eye sockets, right? I, I really, I was amazed. I mean, I'm a big old crybaby. I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit it. Um, I have cried at multiple WrestleManias <laughs> uh, in my adult life. Um, I know that uh, at least two of them directly involved actions taken by The Undertaker. Um, and yet, despite that, I still found myself looking around during the course of this Effie Sue Young title match thinking, these, these people are crying. These people are crying. This is real emotion. This is real tears. This is real investment. Like, big ups to the Fest family for investing. Big ups to Tony for creating this environment. And big ups to Effie and Sue for creating this story. So everyone is so keyed in and keyed up that the tears are absolutely flowing. And yet they're not flowing from me because I'm, I'm such... I'm so... I don't know. I'm moved in a very different way as I'm watching people cry um, throughout this match and certainly at the ending. And then, I believe me, Waterworks were in my future. It just took a minute. I, I, I My eyes stayed dry uh, until Sue Young was actually able to get to her feet. Now, if we know anything about Effie, we know Effie was not about to hug her and raise her hand and uh, invite her to ride back to uh, to you know to the next town with him or whatever and take pictures together and put on Instagram and all that stuff that Effie hates. Right, we know that Effie's not going to do that. So what will Effie do? What will Sue do? I stood there while Sue stared at him like she would rather eat his brains than take another breath. Like Sue is so filled with rage and resentment and anger and animosity as she stares at the man who has defeated her, the man who has taken her precious fest championship away from her, and then she takes a knee, and then she brings her arms behind her, and she kneels. 
She kneels in reverence. Oh my goodness. Niagara Falls Part 2. This time it's the Canadian side. And I'm the one who's crying. The, the, the tears absolutely welled up in my eyes at that moment. I couldn't help myself. There was something that... That was... If everybody else was crying during the climax of this story, I was moved to tears by the denouement. And this was the denouement. Her kneeling to the man who finally vanquished the undead bride. And in response, Effie acknowledges it. He kneels briefly. He kisses her hand. And he shoos her away because this is his time. Effie is the new Fest Wrestling World Champion. It's his time to stand in front of his beloved Fest family and bask in the adulation. And then, again, in a final beautiful move, Sue Young, without taking her eyes off of Effie, drops to her stomach and slithers backward out of the ring, never losing sight of the man who defeated her. Nice. She simply disappears behind the curtain, and that is all she wrote for Sue Young on this evening. But Effie, this is just the beginning of his Fest Wrestling title run. Congratulations to him. The applause is deafening. Everyone was absolutely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Uh, and on this night, Effie was providing the groceries in the form of Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> oh, man. That sounds awesome. It really was. I, I can't, I mean, I'm exhausted retelling the story. I, I, not as exhausted as I was that night. I did not have a voice the entire next week, uh, and which is not good for <laughs> someone who makes a living by uh, talking. Um, but <laughs> so it was. I, I realized that I was going to spend the weekend at Fest, which means I had to do two things. I had to boo Leon Scott, and I had to cheer Effie. So, when you dedicate your weekend to doing those sorts of things, you're going to lose your voice. But, second only to how exhausted I was that night is how exhausted I am at this moment. Simply reliving the emotion of that evening right now. I hope, dear listeners, that you have been able to feel just even a, a bit, a modicum of the excitement and the passion uh, that was there that night in Gainesville. Right. Well, I mean, as someone who's been at many fest shows, I can say that there is, there, there definitely is the love and the passion uh, the wrestlers have for it, and also a lot of love and passion from the audience watching it. Um, and it's very easy to get caught up in moments like that. So I, I can understand where you're coming from, and where everyone's coming from if they shed a tear during that whole exchange between Effie and Sue Young. I love that fest has been around long enough, and it's been run so well. That there is story, there is continuity. You know who these people are, these characters are, so you can you can feel good or bad for them. Um, it's great, and you know I can't wait to watch this on YouTube again. Very regretful I was not there to see it in person. Um, which just shows you, man. If if there's nothing, there's nothing like being there in person. And if you are able to get to a fest wrestling show, I know we've been saying it for over a year, but do it. Go to a fest wrestling show and experience. The experience of a Fest Wrestling show. It's great. You're going to get that chance again, folks. Get that chance very, very soon. Sooner than usual. Uh, March 31st, Fest Wrestling returns to Gainesville at 8 seconds in Florida. Hardcore Hunt. This one is the Hardcore Hunt. It's a new one. It's a new one from Fest. 
Looking forward to it, but we already know now the main event is going to be at Hardcore Hunt. Leva Bates is now the number one contender to the belt, and we now have a new champion proudly wearing that belt. That is Effie. So we're going to get Effie taking on Leva Bates. And you know what? We can tell you about uh, what it's like being Fest Wrestling Champion. Uh, or we can have the Fest Wrestling Champion himself tell you, folks. Little extra bonus here. We uh, we got him on the horn. And uh, sure enough, we got Effie here on today's episode. Oh, snap. Ladies and gentlemen, dear listeners, friends of the show, Perry and I are so stoked to have joining us here on the Whole Reffin Show once again. It's Effie, accompanied to the ring by the Fest Wrestling Championship. Welcome to the show, Effie. What an honor, and let me just tell you guys first and foremost, I am exhausted. Did you see me get my freaking butt kicked? (laughs) I did. I've been dying to talk to you about it. I want to hear what it felt like to be in those fishnets on that night. Uh, it was it was rough, and I'll tell you this, you know, kayfabe be damned, I don't think anyone should let me and Sue in a ring together again, because I don't think either of us has enough, like, care towards their physical well-being to be able to, to be safe competitors for each other, because we beat the crap out of each other that night. Plain to see, plain to see. We just got through talking about that. I thought someone was going to die, and I thought that's what it was going to take for somebody to win the match. And I mean that's that's basically the end of that match. I mean, for people who didn't see it, it was it was a total collapse after we just destroyed each other in the head and body and back with chairs until we just couldn't stand any longer. And luckily I fell in the right spot. I mean, I don't no taking nothing from Sue, you know, we we were both there till the very end. And I don't know if either of us really survived more than just existed after the fact. You seemed uh, you seemed very confident going into the match uh, at the climax of pickle, uh, if you will. Uh, when you won the pickle in the tree match, uh, you grabbed the pickle from the ladder from Sue, uh, basically right out of Sue's grasp, and you told her in very plain words in your own way, uh, "I'm coming for that fest championship." So it seemed like you, you weren't miffed. You, you weren't going to back down from Sue's usual uh, scary, scary tactics. Um, so was that the way you felt going into this match? Listen, I've read Sun Tzu's The Art of War. I know this stuff, okay? <laughs> I can have all the fear I want, but I can't show that fear. And second, if she's going to play the scary game, i got to play the scary game right back. And the scary game for her is, hey, it doesn't work on me, okay? You can be an undead zombie bride. You can come out and drink bleach. All of these crazy things that opponents get so caught up in, I had to blind myself to it and just say, look, you're a person to me, and I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to give you everything I've got. And at the end of the night, I think it worked. And I don't think people think about Sue that way all the time, but, you know, we both got beating hearts. And uh, luckily, they're both still beating, but, I mean, there was obviously a chance there where either of us could have been done for. Oh, I think you're you're totally right. I, I had no idea what the end of that match was going to be. I couldn't even begin. Oh, well, first of all, I have to say, a long time... You've been a longtime friend of the show. Uh, Perry and I are both big fans. But damn, I mean, there were a lot of wet eyeballs in uh, in that country western bar that night. And here's the thing. People think I'm kidding when I say there were people crying at the end of this match. This is not a joke. No. There were, and there's video footage of this. There were people crying at the end of this match. And I think the emotion got pulled so quickly out 
from under people when the end was so sudden because it wasn't, you know, oh, he might win. That's a strong two counter. There's a submission hold. It was it was the end and there was nothing after it. You know, there wasn't there wasn't this moment of uh, back and forth or who's going to win. I mean, we had that during the whole match. The end of that match was one, two, three, and it was over. There's no back and forth. There's no playing little games. It's happening. It just happened. What'd you expect? You know? Oh, for sure. It was like the vacuum of fucking space. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like the, the air left the room. I mean, there was already enough. Like, everybody was so tense. Like, everybody was just really, like, you know, fucking, they're, like, sitting on G, waiting on O uh, with the emotion. Everybody kept saying this is, like, mom and dad getting divorced. Right? Everybody <laughs> totally. About. Totally. And then, you know, mom and dad are getting divorced and they're beating the shit out of each other in front of the kids. And then, like you said, that ending, it just, I mean, it, it zapped everyone right between the eyes. I felt like it just, it needed to be an unexpected thing. And we both took it to the limit where it ended up that way. You know, it wasn't, there wasn't a mystery about both of us. Uh, I don't know how to say this. There, there wasn't a mystery to who was more beat up. You know, we were both equally destroyed. Um, she's not as big as me. Sue is not. She is the weight advantage but she found her ways to beat the crap out of me still and i i hope she comes back for a rematch but i mean the big thing is now i gotta live up to this championship i mean look at the previous two holders of this championship you've right current wwe star who's fighting for the wwe women's championship against charlotte at Fastlane, and then you've got sue young who recently debuted at the impact tapings okay this is this is a prestigious title now the people who have gone through this title have gone on to explode onto the scene. So I'm holding this thing and saying to myself, look, I can't just hold the fest belt. I got to take the fest belt everywhere. I got to show everybody what the fest belt means. And I got to bring fest to the world. I'm the fest wrestling ambassador. The world has to know what fest wrestling is doing. There's nobody doing what fest wrestling is doing. And I'm going to take this championship out and I'm going to put it on the line against anybody who wants it. And they can come try to tear me down. That's awesome, man. That is that is great. And I, I, I hate, I fucking hate that I was not on hand to watch uh, the changing of the guard when you uh, dethroned Sue uh, for that Fest Wrestling Championship. And like you said, I mean, that that lineage already is, uh, it's, it's quite impressive, considering the only three yeah, people I mean, to hold that two, belt. There's two other people that have held it. Exactly. Know? And they've both become superstars, each in different ways. Hell yeah, Now, man. granted... Let me take myself off this pedestal for a second because my first action as champion the next night, I don't know if you guys know this, my first action as champion the next night was in a scramble match in Tampa, Florida, where NXT superfan Izzy kicked the crap out of my face and almost knocked me out. I saw that. I saw that. (laughs) We we did see that. We did see that. Social media was not going to let that escape. Here's the big champion almost knocked out by a 10-year-old girl who does MMA training. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> she might be juicing all right i want her checked i want her never pediatrician know. to know. check her uh <laughs> wow well um i mean to go back to to, to fest you are the fest champion I, I do think if there were a mount rushmore for fest wrestling um i think undeniably you're on it and sue is on it and then we, we talked about this going into the match we are talking about uh, uh, the our Love is a Battlefield preview with Rich Bokini. And we said, I mean, we saw it at Pickle in the Tree when you and Sue faced off at the very, very end of the event. 
that that crowd is divided. It, it is half Sue, half Effie, and you don't usually see that in a match with Sue or a match with you either. Usually, the whole audience is on someone's side. Obviously, they're gonna go with you over Leon Scott, you know, or you know anyone jumping into Fest to take on Sue. The audience is gonna be with Sue, the Fest champion. But here we have, like Darren said, mommy and daddy are fighting, and we're watching this like breakup, this divorce, right before our yeah. eyes. But it's what the people needed to see. They needed to see that, you know what? These two defining forces, they can't stay separated. You know, we can't exist in our own world. And they finally got to see the one-on-one. Yeah, we got a little taste in the pick on the tree match. But when it finally came, when it finally erupted, I think it was worth it in the end. I would definitely agree with that. It kind of reminds me of NXT when, um, uh, like, Finn Balor and Shinsuke Nakamura are really good buddies. And, uh, you know, Finn's like, hey, Shin, what's going on? And Shin's like, if I want to be the best, I have to beat you. And it was kind of like, oh, shit, like, we are friends, but this is a business. And that's what it kind of feels like to me. Like, you know, it's it's nothing personal, or maybe it is. I don't know how you feel about this, Effie. But it was definitely like, you know, you're, you and I are very cool, but you've got something that I want, and now it's totally business. Yeah, and I think there's a lot more to me and Sue than people will ever understand or know or need to know. Um, But to say that there was some real emotion going on out there is probably an understatement. And I think in wrestling, when you can find those moments, and as a competitor and as a professional, you can kind of capitalize on any kind of situation that may be going on behind the scenes or outside in the world, you you can make something really special, you know? There's a lot of competitors in time that haven't always gotten along, you know, in public, but when they're in the ring and they work together, there's some secret magic there. And uh, that magic can come from a real place, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, the, if I had to say that the magic between you and Sue was akin to anything, I'd say it's like, you know, uh, Lucy picks up the football to prevent Charlie Brown from kicking it, and then he turns around and kicks her fucking head off. <laughs> exactly super fucking kick to the mouth i mean exactly i mean or at the very least a savant kick to the throat <laughs> now we're talking brutal so talking about speaking of throats i remember on a earlier episode of the whole reffin show in which you uh so graciously joined us you talked about sue young screaming into your mouth and how the when that happened once upon a time, uh, it shook you to your core. Now, I was ringside at Love is a Battlefield night two, and I watched her scream in your mouth all over again. There was a very different reaction from you on this night. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you what I did for the people that didn't see it. I listened to that screaming, and I realized that's what it was, was screaming. I used to have that stuff stuck in my head about... You know, this demon woman's in your face, screaming down your throat. You can feel the vibrations in your own neck of her scream. But I had to just say, you know what? This is just screaming. And I went forehead to forehead with Sue, and I bitch slapped the shit Sue Young. And I think that moment she realized this wasn't going to be a normal Sue Young match. This wasn't going to be everybody being afraid of Sue. This was going to be big boys stepping up and letting her know how this is going to go down. And I think I threw her around a little bit after that. She doesn't weigh that much, so that was pretty fun to just get to throw a person that much. And uh, from there, things got violent. Things got really violent, and I think that that was also a part of the emotion that the the Fest Wrestling crowd uh, was displaying that night because 
I don't know that they expected that brutality. Like you said, it's what they needed, but did they have any idea that that's what was going to happen? I don't think so. Yeah, and I think with both of us, we do have a little playful part to our personalities. You know, we're both a little bit playful in the ring sometimes with our opponents, and I think there's charm to that. And I think that's one of the reasons people were a little confused as to what would happen is, are we going to really try to out-charm each other here? Or is this just going to be what, what we expect as just a, a straight-up fight? And they got the second. There wasn't a lot of goofing around. There wasn't a lot of playing games. It was a lot of hitting and not a lot of talking. And for me, usually, that's kind of the opposite. Oh, for sure. So, okay. So, so the night's over. Uh, all Izzy business aside... You're now more than a week, uh, two weeks now, removed mm-hmm. from uh, Love is a Battlefield. What is life like for the new Fest Wrestling Champion? Promoters answer my emails. Isn't that weird? Nice. Uh, isn't that strange? They answer the emails now. No, but all, all joking aside, I mean, I've got a lot of big things lined up, and some of them were already booked before I won the championship, but now I get to make it an even bigger deal because I can choose to go out there and say, you know what? I am the Fest champion. If I want to lay this belt out on the line, we can do it right here. We can do this under Fest rules. We can have Fest in this building. I'm bringing a little bit of Fest with me everywhere. But on that note, the first weekend after I won the belt, I had two shows lined up, one in Albany, Georgia, and one in uh, Gastonia, North Carolina for PWX. And I got about 40 minutes up the road, and I looked over at my wonderful assistant, Jerome Champagne, and I said, Jerome, I left the belt next to my bed. I would kept it next to my bed all week. I did not have the belt with me. And he was like, well, you just got to go do it. So I did the next two shows without the belt with me. Was so embarrassed. Got to PWX. People are asking me, let me see the belt. Let's see the belt. Did not bring the belt, but I did get to slap, once again, the out of white mic so it kind of all ended up okay in the end um i didn't win the battlefield x match i did win my match saturday night which was i will tell you an 87 style hogan slaughter squash match where i destroyed a joe bear uh, so really i think the fast championship was in my heart and i didn't need to be holding it but trust me i will not forget the belt again did uh, did white mike have his fest wrestling tag team championship belt with him you know, he did, yeah. but he did not bring it out to the ring with him oh. because I think he knew there was some unfinished business personally between the two of us. And we had to set our fest love aside, both being champions and kind of uh, handle our differences, which that's on the High Spots Network now. If you want to go see what happened with that, I will say um, Mike's face is still bruised. Well, White Mike has to bring the belt with him because he has no heart to keep it in. Um <laughs> He's he's gymnasty, baby. Yeah, that's so I, true. I wonder if you know if his face is stinging. I wonder if it's anywhere near that inchworm that's above his upper lip. Ooh, you know. And I saw a picture of him come out about three days after they won that belt of those belts wrapped around some some bare buttocks. I saw some that. Ladies, uh, I saw some that. lady entertainers, and I thought, what what a way to christen those beautiful white leather belts. Than to put him up next to some big old dirty butts. Yeah, I, I thought I thought how gymnasty boys is this picture because it is <laughs> it is perfect. And then I thought, man, if anyone takes those belts off of them, they need to disinfect them immediately. They mm-hmm. need to dip them in barbicide. <laughs> and I will say, I won that I won that championship. I went upstairs and got changed, and I went over to Lucy's, which is the bar next door, which hosts karaoke after the fest shows. And I had to wait a long time to do it. But I finally got to sing 
Conway Twitty to my newly won championship. And I belted out, hello, darling. How you doing? It's been a long time because it has been a long time since I've held a championship. And this one was looking perfect to me. It was the love song that capped my night off. Oh, oh that's outstanding. Now, Darren, while you were there, I'm going to ask you this. Did you notice my two little minions with cameras going around? I did. You know, the first thing I noticed was, why Why is Effie mic'd? Is he fucking an FBI oh. informant? <laughs> Are you a narc, Effie? No. I really, I can't say too much about this now, but here's what I'm going to say. I bought a banner that goes to my merch table, and I tweeted out something about the banner. It's a full-color banner. It says, buy you some Effie. It's got a big picture of me on it. And I said, folks, if you're trying to keep up, you can go ahead and give up now. And when I tell you what these boys were doing, what these Los Angeles boys were out here doing with those video cameras, I think it's going to blow people's minds because they were with me in my house for 10 days and, uh, Things are about to be popping off, folks. We're going to give them the real story, the real life, the everyday in 4K. Oh, shit. 4K? Dear listeners, dear listeners, 4K, 10 days, Talasassi, Effie, the feminist icon. It is going to be popping off. I'm popping off at the at right this moment. And, you know, they got here, and, and I've known one of the guys a little while, and the other one I had just met, and... I said, guys, I can tell you this right now. We started Friday in Tampa at a full impact pro show. I said, I can tell you this right now, but you're not going to believe me until you get through it. I am strange in the world of wrestling, but I am much stranger out of the world of wrestling. (laughs) And I think once they got to see everything, you know, Adam, one of the film guys came up to me, you know, the Sunday after we had just finished that punk pro show after us too. And he said, "Um, I think we got some magic here and I can, I can up talk it all I want. But the trailer should be dropping around WrestleMania, so I think um, I think people are going to be on the edge of their seats to see what this is all about. Because we're we're changing things and we're giving people the real story. Dude, you've been changing things uh, while we were sitting here getting ready to go on the air. Uh, I, I'm sitting at I have a very large, uh, fancy old timey 1950s uh, weighs about a ton uh, desk, and I it Ooh. is covered covered in all sorts of amazing shit like. Uh, WWE mystery minis and uh, photographs from throughout my life, and also a stack of koozies. <laughs> and I thought once I got you, once we got you on the line, I looked over at that stack of koozies, and on the top is a navy and gold one that says "Kill Effie" and has some brass knuckles on it. And I thought, you know, I met Effie in a gymnasium in Tifton, Georgia. <laughs> Uh, quite a long time ago now. Like, oh yeah, going on, going on two years. Mm, I believe and, so. And that's and that's insane to me. And I knew from that moment, I knew on that night that uh, there was something special going on in that ring surrounding Effie. And at the same time, there was this weird. <laughs> forgive me for saying weird, but there was this weird, gracious uh, aspect to you. You went out of your way to thank me for buying uh, the koozie from, uh, I presume, Mr. Champagne. That is Mr. Champagne. He was out there. He's been since the start. What a magical boy. Thank (laughs) you. That's so sweet. Well, I mean, but I mean it when I say that because people don't have to spend their money on wrestling. They don't have to come buy merch. They don't have to do anything. They're already in the building. And it's like, if you don't take the moment to thank people for 
spending money that they've worked hard for. And I know about working. I know about real life and working. Um, I think you're an asshole if you don't take the time to do that because nobody, nobody is above thanking someone else, especially when they're putting support forward, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And besides life is one big hashtag shoot job, right? Mm-hmm. So anytime you can escape from that world, anything anyone can do to help you immerse yourself or be immersed, uh, in that world, uh, is amazing. I just get kicks off of what I can actually turn into merchandise. I think the carnies are similar to me. It's like, can we do that? Can we make that into merchandise? So <laughs> not to spill too much, but right now we are working on air car fresheners, um, as well as a huge charity event that I'll be announcing soon that uh, might have some custom lottery tickets with a chance to win some real nice Effie swag. Nice. Wow. And by real nice Effie swag, I might mean my original jacket in a frame. Holy oh. crap. Well, uh, we're going yeah, to raise some charity money, man. Why not? That's, That's awesome, man. Why not? You can do it. You you will do it. So you mentioned the trailer for whatever it is that's going to have everybody popping off in 4K, uh, dropping around the time of WrestleMania. You know, that's only about six weeks away. What does WrestleMania weekend look like for you? I mean, are you getting nasty in the French Quarter? What's happening? You know, New Orleans is my favorite city of all time. The first WrestleMania I ever went to was in New Orleans. And I went to a Fandango meet and greet. And he pulled me aside and said, they probably should just sign you. And this is when I was just like first starting to do shows. The first year I was doing shows. Um, And it really inspired me. Fandango inspired me so much. And this year, going back to New Orleans, I'm actually going to be appearing at WrestleCon. So I'll be there Saturday and Sunday. Nice. Nice. appearing at the wonderfully sponsored Blueprint Pro Wrestling Table, which I will also be at their show in Deerfield Beach, Florida, on March 10th. And then uh, there might be some surprises in store. What I will say is everyone and their mom is going to be in New Orleans that weekend, including every professional wrestler. And my fingers are crossed that some of them forget their blood work, either get involved in a scandal or um, can't keep their hands to themselves. And some (laughs) more spots will open up because I've got my elbows rubbed against anybody I can to slip in there and steal a spot. Cause as you guys know, even with a five minute spot somewhere, I can probably get some people excited. I mean, even with the littlest sliver of a spot on a show, I think we can make magic happen. Oh, and absolutely. I'll definitely probably be hanging out inside of a Kaiju costume, figure out which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I look forward to that then. Well then, yeah, man, we're, we're looking forward to seeing you WrestleMania weekend for sure. Yes. Please, but, let's hang out and enjoy wrestling. Absolutely. Until we're just sick of it. <laughs> that sounds sounds good uh, to me. Yeah, no, no such thing. No such thing. But we will be seeing you uh, before WrestleMania. We'll be seeing you at Fest Wrestling Hardcore Hunt, where you actually defend that Fest Wrestling Championship against Leva Bates. Leva Bates already got him for you, Effie. Isn't that crazy, though, that we went from four weeks ago, Leva Bates is putting me over on Twitter and getting eyes on me and having people look at me just so she can win the number one contendership and come take the championship out from under me. <laughs> no chance, blue pants. <laughs> Very nice. Put an end to that skullduggery. And here's what I'll say. Here's some fire words to keep the people excited, all right? She can dress up as anybody she wants to, okay? Any little character, little video game character, movie character, you know what? But she can't be Effie. So, oh. come with it, Leva. Let's see what you got. 
Ooh, there's some some fighting words from uh, our fierce friend Effie. I gotta stay on top of it. I gotta hold the belt and scare him up a little bit. I gotta use the Sue Young tactic. Are you looking to break Sue Young's uh, record? FS Wrestling. Uh... God, I hope so. 434 days was it? Or, or yeah, I think it was 434 days as champion. Yeah, that's that's incredible. a long run. Yeah, to watch her defend that belt not only over that amount of time, but against the competition that she did. Uh, and don't forget, she defended that belt all over the country and out of the country. She the did. Fest Wrestling yeah. Championship is technically a world championship. It's been defended in other countries. Yeah, it is world-recognized. Oh, yeah. as, as our listeners well know, we don't call that anything except the Fest Wrestling World title. Amen. Amen. So happy. We are so happy that we have the Fest Wrestling World Champion on the show right now. Holy shit. <laughs> Hey, you know what? You've had me before, and it's been just as fun, and now you just get to put a wonderful title on it. Yay! And it's even better. <laughs> well, I can't, I mean, I can't help but talk about uh, the fact that we had you on the show, you know, forever ago, which, you know, just over a year, probably, in, in the grand scheme of things, but uh, it, it's just crazy to think about, you're the one that told us about Fest Wrestling, and kind of got us involved and said, you know, you should check it out. And then we, we did. We really enjoyed it. And then we got involved to the extent that we've been involved. And now we're talking to you again on the show as Fest Wrestling World Champion. I got to say that, that that's a pretty awesome full circle, my friend. Dude, what a, I mean, like, what a life. We're, you're, you've been there for the whole journey. Yeah, man. And here's the thing. This is a real problem. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phrase this as a complaint, but it's a hilarious complaint. Um, you guys know, obviously, Fest Wrestling is a very different vibe from a lot of wrestling shows. And unfortunately now, I'll take bookings, and if they're not even like half as fun as Fest, I'll never go back. Like, wow. my standard for a show being fun is so high now that like, if you can't meet those expectations even a little bit, then I don't need to be here. Because at Fest, I enjoy myself. At Fest, the fans enjoy themselves. At Fest, there's no drama. Other places not always the case there's a lot of places doing really good stuff but if i come in the door if i'm not you know feeling the vibes there if i'm feeling like there's some stuff up some people acting crazy or weird that i don't really vibe with then i'm not coming back and i don't have to and it's wonderful that's great that's that really a, awesome that is a wonderful feeling and it's good that you are able to control uh your your own fate in that respect and you know i don't know that a lot of wrestling fans really think about that um but from your perspective, you have been, like you said, you, you, you have to phrase it as a complaint. But is it? It's, like, it's the kind of problem you want to have because you, 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 pick your, you literally pick your battles here and you don't have to deal with the bullshit anymore because, you know, Fest is helping to change that atmosphere. Because I would, I would venture to say that there are more uh, fun locker rooms, more friendly locker rooms than there were two years ago. Yep, and I'm really not supposed to talk about conversations me and uh, the wonderful Maxwell Jacob Friedman have because he's an asshole and everyone should know that and he's better than you. Um, <laughs> but he said something really interesting to me, which was you spend 10 to 15 to 20 minutes in the ring, but going to a show, driving to a show, traveling to a show and being at a show is hours and hours and hours and hours around people. If you can't enjoy yourself around these people, then you probably are wasting your time. That's fair enough. That's right on. Yeah. That, that's very true. I, I would respect that uh, even more if he had not uh, offered me $5 to shave off my mustache. <laughs> He's a dick, you know. Even a dick's right twice. Did, uh, that, ha did that happen to you, really? Damn. Oh, man. 
Well, we all know Rich Bokini's got no love for MJF. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, there, there, there's certainly that. All right, Effie, we don't want to we don't want to hold you on the show forever. I mean, we actually we do, but uh, just for funsies, <laughs> where can the fans, the lovers of Effie, uh, find you on social media? On Twitter and Instagram, it's at Kill Effie because everybody's trying to. On Facebook, it's Effie. And if you want to go watch some crazy videos that I've made, some wonderful promotional videos that are kind of out there compared to wrestling videos, it is tinyurl.com slash watch Effie. That'll take you right to my YouTube. There's weird stuff in there. If you dig deep, there's stuff that goes back to like 2013, I think. So go down that rabbit hole and uh, watch me evolve as a human being. Yeah, you're, you're going to see some Velveeta, some, some Yoohoo. You're going to see a cemetery. You might see Missy Hyatt. Uh, you might see Missy Hyatt. <laughs> and I believe at one point uh, you even, uh, you may you may have proclaimed to be the Antichrist. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's happened a couple times. I can't help how this demon deals with me. Hey, he, he's, he's an honest Antichrist. You got to give him credit for that. He doesn't pretend to be someone he's not. Yeah, I'm a sweet boy. Come hang out. I won't lead you to the dark side immediately. Aw, well, we all have a dark side, Effie, so, you know, don't feel bad about that. But you are also a very sweet boy, at least very sweet to us. And we love you, and we're proud of you, and we're very happy for you. Thank you. I love you guys. I'm glad you had me back on the show. Yeah, man, we will see you at the at the absolute latest. We'll see you at Hardcore Hunt. Hardcore Hunt. Blue Pants versus Effie. Leva Bates versus Effie for the Fest World title. Man, I can't wait for that. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. Oh, I'm excited. All right, All right dude. We'll see you there. Take it easy. Dude, and thank I you guys so much. World title. I'm going to do it. I'm ready. <laughs> Thanks, Effie. And once again, we have to thank Effie for stopping by. Always a pleasure having Effie on the show. And man, it's it's great. I mean, we said it in the interview, but we are happy, we are ecstatic, we are proud of our boy Effie, who is now the Fest Wrestling Champion. Sky's the limit, and we're going to see him proudly defend that strap at the Hardcore Hunt. Be there. I'm going to try my best to be there. I'm here in Los Angeles right now. I, I don't like hearing about what happened at Fest. I want to go there and experience Fest. I'm going to figure it out. So, uh, are you guys going to be there? you going to be at Fest Wrestling? Or are you going to watch... Elimination Chamber, let us know. A lot of ways to let us know. Let us know on Twitter at Refn Show Podcast, R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like and share. We always appreciate that. You can send us a Gmail if you want to, because we're hardcore Gs. At the whole Refn Show, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E, R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com, or... Or you can find us at the whole Refn Show on Instagram. That's right, The Whole Refn Show on Instagram. Come check out our pretty pictures. Share your pretty pictures. Let's get into discussions, right? If you see something that is totally bitchin', let us know. Don't just go, oh, that's bitchin'. Moving on. No, say, hey, that's bitchin'. And I'll say, little red heart, Zelda. Little red heart for your sword there, Link. All right? Yes. So that's what... So that's why you need to go to Instagram, so you can fill your heart sword uh, with power. Absolutely. Hit us up on social media. There's a lot of ways to do it. We just told you at least three ways to do it. Or send us an email. At the very least, tune in again next week for another exciting episode of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. 
the whole ref and show. Darren, who are you? I'm Darren. Okay. Darren Beasley. And I'm Perry Smith. And we'll see you next week, folks. Thank you for tuning in. See you soon. Bye-bye. Good friend Effie, and it's not just Effie all by himself. Effie, 